unders, down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri, Art of War, down under. Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this very special episode of Art of War Down Under. This is episode 108, I believe, and I am joined by the reigning, defending 2000 and what, was it, is it 2020, 2021 or 2019, 2020 Demons player in the ITC, Mr. Mark H of the wonderful Army Esports team. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here. It's great to be on and talking about, uh, you know. The, the second love of my life, uh, Demons, uh, 2020 and 2021, uh, for those of you out there. Also, last year at LV, or last LVO, did Top Demons player at LVO. And uh, yeah, um, really happy to be on and talk about this exciting new codex that I've been waiting many, oh. many years for. Well, I, I kind of scudded the landing already and didn't tell people what the hell we were here for. So I, I was... I was, I was tr- kind of half tempted to turn it into a joke and pretend we weren't here to talk about demons and uh, i had you on for some <laughs> other obscure reason but regardless we are here to review the first half of this brand new demons codex been waiting a damn long time for this when you hear people talk about how demons function in ninth edition the the usual sentence is that they don't they don't have a meaningful archetype a play they don't have a way to make an army that works on ninth edition metrics or holds up versus ninth edition firepower defensibility etc etc like on all the ways in which you play the game scoring ability defensive ability aggressive ability sorry offensive abilities etc etc they just they're just not there um so i'm really excited to see what this does for them but before we jump in art of war down under is primarily a review based podcast i'm here to be your one-stop shop for how to keep up with the game it's really hard to stay up to date at the moment so anytime there's new content for Warhammer 40k be that a balanced data slate chapter approved codex supplement regardless i'm going to be reviewing it with somebody of the ilk of mark mr mark h as in of a top top caliber quality to give me the expert opinions that you guys hopefully need in order to stay current i know it's, it's extremely you know prohibitively expensive to run out and buy every codex kudos to you if you can by all, all the power to you should that be your modus operandi i am here to help you stay up to date otherwise and if you would like to get a little bit of extra content or support me in what i do because it's greatly appreciated this is many hours of work every week come over to the art of war down under 40k uh sorry the art of war 40k dot com to get me uh get that part two over on the website where you can join the war room and get the other plethora of amazing art of war content or find me on patreon the art of war down under um and support me there and you get the juicy part two of this one which is me is just gonna be pretty much unleashing uh you know the fifth chaos god mark h on <laughs> on chaos demons he's got some beautiful lists and archetypes he wants to talk about why this book is strong what it's good into and what you should build if you are a budding worshiper yourself um my man we start these reviews off with first impressions. Tell us how you, your gut check reaction, how you feel about this book after having gone through it the first couple of times. I am excited. I, I, I'm pretty realistic when it comes to uh, looking at codexes. And one thing I, I try to do is keep myself pretty grounded as far as uh, codexes go. Um, I'm not going to lie. When the Chaos uh, Knights came out, I was a little disappointed. Chaos Space Marines seemed pretty interesting uh this this book is the first big chaos release for me that's got me really excited not just because i like demons but it's definitely got a lot of uniqueness to it while at the same time uh as 
in contrast with a lot of the other codexes that have come out over the past year or so, it has a lot more simplicity to it than a lot of other codexes, which I think is a good thing. Uh, there's not as much bookkeeping, it seems, as some yep. other codexes. While they, it still exists, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, a lot of this book is stat line. Yep. Here's a few stratagems. Here's a, you know, special ability that you track through the battle round and that's about it and here's some movement stuff to mess around with and there's there's good combos don't get me wrong there's there's awesome stuff you can do and you can kind of get the rube goldberg machine running Mm -hmm. sometimes for some stuff but ultimately it's it's stats this this book is is very much stats on a data sheet and i i actually think that's a good thing so there's a few things in this book that really had me scratching my head when i when i first cracked it open i i had to flick through it another time because i for those of you who don't know i specifically keep myself in the dark on some parts of a codex in order to give you guys a true first impressions on the review and then i have mark giving you guys the expert opinions as we go through and i had to flick through a couple of times to make sure that there wasn't any uh, undivided, like, sorry, ubiquitous for any god, any play, stratagems, relics, wall of traits. There's no generics. There's only god-specific. So this 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 book really feels like uh, four and a half supplements wearing a trench coat and a hat, uh, masquerading as a codex. <laughs> uh, and there's some pros to that, and there's some cons to that. One of the cons I just said is that there's no generic stratagems. There's no, like, space... If, you're, if I'm playing Dark Angels, there's no space marine stratagems for me to draw on. You know, so to speak, if uh, that would be the, the the biggest comparison. Uh, but it has some of the best allies rules that we've seen um, in the game so far. Like the, the, this, I don't think any other codex has incentivized soup or mixing and matching of different sub factions as much as this book has. It, it it's another huge another level upon that. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of here for it. I think the demons have a very unique flavor to them now. Whereas I feel like in Eighth Edition, you could have just said they were like orcs. <laughs> You know, there were there were just different variants of melee or or medium level shooting, uh, as in like they played similar to orcs did. They had like one or two big good pieces, and then there was just kind of swarms of infantry. Uh, whereas I feel like this one is really going to live and die on how much mileage you can get from some of the medium demons, and then uh, I'm a little bit annoyed, and we'll go into it. We'll go into it later. I'm a little bit annoyed at the unit size of lesser demons, and we'll unpack that as we go. Yeah, but yeah, I. I feel like the chittering horde, the skittering, crazy, maniacal hordes of demons is a, a thing of the past, and we're either looking at uh, monster mash or medium medium buggies. Similar, to, I guess that's actually quite similar to the way they went with Tyranids, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So hordes looks like it's uh, pretty gone from the codex. I know there's uh, some talk of pink horrors, but if, if we do get into that in this one, uh, in this iteration as we go through. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of explain some some weaknesses to that as well because I think uh, some people are some people are hopeful for pink cores and as much as they seem like they might be the horde answer, I, I don't think that that's accurate for us. And then as far as everything else goes, yeah, you're you're limited to ten demons uh, in a squad for everything as far as the troops go. Mm. So it's it's not uh, I you know I I made the list for uh, disciples of Bellacor and LVO and you know some people may recognize you know me playing it with my sixty blood letters and my ninety pox walkers and my thirty 
pink horrors and that's that's not going to happen anymore that's not a uh that's not a thing that's um, not they, a thing unfortunately uh but jumping in so this is going to be half, first half of the review and because this is for supplements wearing a coat we're probably going to be uh doing all the detachment and uh, special rules for the army and then probably two gods worth of the review now the first two being uh corn and zinch we'll get their full review and then next week we'll wrap it up with uh nurgle Sinesh, and then the disciples of bellicor had their little army of renown slapped in the back which is why said it's four and a half supplements essentially wearing a coat yep. so yep. we're going to start this off with the detachment abilities for those focusing along at home and i'm just going to slap the detachment abilities and the data sheet abilities into the same kind of thing but the big one for us to unpack here mark and i'm going to hand pass to you first up tell us about how allies work in this book because it is very different right so with this basically uh with the Legiones Demonica, you get demonic allies, and with demonic allies, you can take them in a chaos army, uh, and you can make them only 25% of your army without receiving a penalty as long as you follow a couple specific rules. One, Bellicor can't be part of that detachment. Trust me, I know, I really want that, but you cannot only have 25% of your army be demons retaining your rules while also playing Bellacor. Bellacor will shut off your special rules. But he otherwise... He doesn't play nice. He doesn't play like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> he, he likes to control everything, you know? That's his thing. So, but otherwise, if you are playing world eaters and you want 25% of your army to be uh, to be corn demons, you can, as long as it's corn demons, and they won't mess with any of your specific legion abilities you'll still essentially be chaos space marine world eaters thousand suns takes zinch nurgle takes uh goes with death guard and Slanesh goes with emperor's children now this is a really specific thing and that is that it is not points it is power rating for whatever reason yes so for all you listeners out there that are like oh man I really want to fit in this this uh, larger squad of demons or some larger demons and whatnot. Uh, you can actually do it in a very interesting way. When you add a single model, when certain things that can be reinforced, such as cultists, terminators, um, just legiones astartes, the power level goes up. It doubles when you break past the initial point. So a legiones astartes, uh, they are six power level. Mm-hmm. The mo- for a group of five, the moment you bump it up to a group of six, they are 12 power level. Yeah. So, so a fancy way that you can fit more demons in by not taking as many points, but boosting your power level is taking Legiones Astartes, normal Astartes, and just bumping them up by one extra guy. And yep. you'll double your power level without doubling your points and make more room for those demons. And, and offset your demons a lot easier. Yeah, without without spending points. It's a really yep. weird thing that I think is going to be better than a lot of other cases where we've seen similar stuff. Because when I first heard this, I, I, when it says 25%, I was just skimming it, blah, 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 way through trying to get some idea of how it works. I assumed it was points. The same as like Brood Brothers is for, for um, Gene Stealer Cult. Uh, and as soon as it was power level, my eyes kind of perked up, and then I suddenly glazed over because I was like, "Man, someone's going to break that. Someone's going to min max find the sweet spot of getting like more than they should for this." And there's going to be some build. There's going to be GW's going to me- have messed this up. Is my is my gut reaction? And we'll talk about it a bit more in part two because you may have cracked the code already, brother. Um, but 
that yeah it, it's pretty it makes sense apart, apart from the power level thing everything else here makes sense corn with corn zinch with zinch etc etc uh, jumping over to the data sheet abilities we have a couple of specific things here the first up um we have malefic weapons which as essentially this is the page where things work differently to everybody else we have malefic weapons which essentially when you see like uh you have a, a mounted unit and it'll jump it'll you'll charge in and it'll say uh only x amount of attacks can be made by the mount and all the other attacks have to be made with the rider's profile like uh blood crushes will have uh their juggernauts will have malefic x for how many attacks the juggernaut gets um, and then it'll have the attack profile, which is how many the blood letter writing will get. And in, in in years gone past, you could just be like, well, I'm just going to make all the attacks with the juggernaut profile because it's better for the situation. And now you're kind of pigeonholed into making only X amount of attacks. But where the caveat comes in, um, this is what malefic weapons do that makes them different. Um, unless otherwise stated, uh, malefic weapons are never affected by effects or abilities that allow models to make additional attacks or abilities that would do so, subtract from, or improve their characteristics in any way. Uh, a lot of people have read between the lines there and are kind of making a lot of that statement. Um, but just to put the full context in, many de Chaos Demon weapons are malefic weapons. Such weapons will have an ability that reads malefic and then a value such as 2 or 4. Each time the bearer fights, it makes a number of additional attacks with that weapon equal to the value, no more than a number of attacks can be made with that weapon while resolving that fight. If a model is equipped with more than one malefic weapon, it can make additional attacks with each of them as they are equipped with. So when it says that uh, they can't make additional attacks or abilities that would add to, subtract, or improve their characteristics there in any way, people are saying that that gets around uh, pluses to hit, minuses to hit. Some people are even saying that gets around Armor of Contempt. Yes, yeah, so rules as written, Armor of Contempt does say you worsen the rend character, or sorry, Armor Penetration characteristic of the weapon. So that is a characteristic of the weapon. You are worsening it through that. So rules as written, armor of contempt doesn't work. Disgustingly resilient doesn't work. Correct. Uh, it also, you, you basically, when you sit there and you're talking about something that modifies uh, the characteristic, which AP value is, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't work against those. So specifically, those have to be rolled separately in a lot of cases. Uh, you're going to have to roll them separately in cases, even if they look like they have the same stats, make sure you're rolling your malefics separately from stuff because certain things, whether you get exploding sixes, can't, can't mess with that. You can't, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen that you sit there and go, oh yeah, I'm getting this or, oh yeah, I'm getting that. And they just, they don't work. Um, but there's good good points to that and bad points to that. Yeah, know? exactly right. I think I think we have to wait. We might have to wait for an FAQ to find out if this is truly what they were thinking of the of when they when they wrote this in stuff like you know disgusting and resilient stuff like that. Uh, when I read this, my uh, my first gut instinct was like, oh, they just mean that you can't have any less than that many of attacks. You can't have any more than that many attacks, um, and, and that was it. Like you can't, and you can never plus or minus to hit when i went to looked at the stuff on other people's profiles like armor contempt like transhuman like etc etc uh probably actually probably not transhuman because that affects the dice roll rather than the characteristic um and it's a good point of distinction there uh, i was like oh maybe this is not what g-dub um uh, expected or g-dub thought of when they were writing it which would be very g-dub so we're gonna put the right we're gonna leave it leave it as is as it is right now ask your to how they're gonna rule it before you well before you do anything really um and then take it from there all right my dude um how do demonic invulnerability work how does it work why is it different and why have they made this point of distinction so big thing with demonic invulnerability 
is you basically will notice on the data sheets when you look at them, you're going to see two saves in the save characteristic. There's a save characteristic to the left and the save characteristic to the right. Now the left is melee, the right is or is shooting or ranged attacks, I should say. That saving throw cannot be modified in any way. Can't be helped with cover, can't be helped with pluses to involves, anything like that. Uh, that is the save characteristic that they have for those specific types of weapons. And it's determinate on the type of attack. So keep in mind, if you're Zinch Demon, uh, which they commonly have something like a 6-plus save in melee, maybe a 5-plus, but a 3-plus save for ranged attacks. If they're locked up with a tank of some kind that can shoot, and that tank shoots, they have a 3-plus save because it is a ranged attack. So Yeah. It's it's a really interesting change. I mean, I I'm not sure I love that GW starts to open this this Pandora's box where they start giving rules like this that that can't be changed or can't be altered to specific armies. I'm I think demons need it, and I'm not unhappy that they have it. I just hope this is the buck stops here. And this is the only time they do something like this. Um, and then I find it funny because I've got a I was playing Grey Knights uh, a couple of months ago in an event. Well, less than a month ago, but uh, a bunch of Grey Knight rules say that they affect the invulnerable saves of demons, and I'm like, well, are they going to change those to affect? demonic invulnerability and then just invalidate the, the part of this that says they can't be changed at all and then we're going to un- unlock another little internal game again where it's tit for tat uh, or another arms race between two codexes specifically so I, I think it's funny I think it's very good for demons that they have this I think GW has done this very well and uh, I'm interested to see how far they push this uh, the next one is manifestation essentially the way I thought about this is that manifestation is pretty much just saying that every single unit in the army has deep strike yeah yes but yep. what's extra here? Because there, this, this is this is part of the possibly the best thing in the codex, the best single rule in the codex. I took the words right out of my mouth. It it, it is the back of this codex. It is what your house is going to be built on. So you have basically everything can go into deep strike. Obviously, following the normal deep strike rules. Yep. Now, when you go to set them up from deep strike, there there are two big things you have to know. One of these is always on. The other one is only on if everything is Leon, uh, Legione's Demonica. Yep. Now, it doesn't have any exception, like some other rules we're going to get into, for Agents of Chaos. If you are doing an ally thing, if you are doing any sort of trying to squeeze Abaddon in a Supreme Command because he's you know Agent of Chaos and stuff like that, you will lose the second part of this. Let's go over the first part. First part is that essentially you can set up six inches away. You can either deep strike in normally, or you can set up six inches away from enemy models as long as you are wholly within six inches of a friendly warp locus model. Now, warp locus is a key word we saw in the Chaos Space Brains Codex with the Master of Possessions as well as Lords of Skulls. Mm -hmm. And if the warp locus model has an allegiance keyword, which an allegiance keyword would be Korn, Zinch, Nurgle, yep. or Solnesh, then you do have to, you can only use the warp locus with things that match that Associ- keyword. Yeah, associated so, God for God stuff, yeah. So, now, the reason that's important to note is that it's only a restriction if they have an allegiance keyword. So if you have a master of possession who does not choose a specific god, mm-hmm. you can warp locus anything to him. Yeah, it's all unlocked. 
But naturally, if that yep. last possession is, you know, Emperor's children, they have to have the mark of Slanesh, and they have to be then therefore have to be locked to deep striking Slanesh. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, really great ability. It's what you're going to see a lot of the uh, demons players that want to mix stuff in do, mm-hmm. and also pure demons do. Uh, though Warp Locus is a bit of a, it's 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 used very sparingly, which I think is a good thing uh, for for balance purposes and whatnot. Yeah, but, I, I, I've I haven't looked through extensively, but it's most of the named greater demons, Bellacor, and is that it? Named greater demons, Bellacor, the two uh, fortifications, the Nurgle Tree and the Corn uh, Throne. Trying to get you and quiet. then. <laughs> <laughs> and and if if we get to talk about uh, Slanesh later and all that sort of thing, we'll we'll talk about the harp that is a warp locus uh, yeah. and a guardable character, which I think is phenomenal. That's insane. Um, the next part of this, is, as we said, um, so you come in with nine inches as standard with anything or within six of a warp locus. If every unit from your army has the Legion's Demonica keyword, as in you are mono demons, then the reinforcement steps of your movement phases. Instead, you can set this army up anywhere in the battlefield with the following restrictions. Wholly within your deployment zone and no more than three away from enemy models. As in, like, you know, strategic people come into your, line, your battlefield edge from strategic reserves. You can walk into combat with them. This is very similar should people try and get aggressive on you you will annihilate them judiciously from your your side of the table um neither wholly within your deployment zone not wholly within your opponent's deployment zone and more than a number of inches away from each enemy unit equal to the current leadership characteristic of that enemy unit to a minimum of three and a maximum of nine now usually i mean custody is the leadership 11 but Crute a leadership six um, or seven. So this is a big like, hey, we're going to smash some things and we're going to not do amazingly against some others. But I do love that this is a portion of the book. There is a, a, where they're trying to make leadership debuffs actually meaningful because I don't mean stiddly squat in the morale phase because the morale phase doesn't mean much. But this is another way of leveraging it to make another really juicy special rule. How do you feel about this one, dude? So I think this one is going to be a lot better than people give it credit for. I know some people were disappointed to see that you have to be 100%, without a doubt, pure uh, Legiones Demonica, because people were excited about, oh, the Night Lords are going to actually do something. Unfortunately, no. But let me tell you, there are so many ways to adjust leadership in this book. Uh, and pretty consistently, if you really wanted to play for it, even if you played against Custodes, I would say if you have Bellacor on table and you're willing to spend a few Warp Storm points, which we'll get into that later, and throw a Slanesh Psychic Power out, you can very easily get a Custodian down to six leadership and uh, get that six-inch deployment. Yeah, agree. And going into that, here's the first of one of those abilities. This is Demonic Terror. Well, and this is an aura of, I think, every unit, every demon unit just gets this. Um, while an enemy is within six of this unit, subtract one from that enemy unit's leadership characteristic and subtract one from any combat attrition tests taken. So you'll fail on one or twos, and then if you are at half strength or below, you'll fail on one, twos, threes. Um, and then you're minus one leadership, as in you can deep strike one inch closer to make that charge. So yeah, this is uh this is a really cool ability that of course this goes into the warp storm abilities as well, uh, which we're going to touch on now. But demonic terror that that's a big enabler for this for that ability we just read out, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You got to keep in mind, you know, we talked a little, little bit about generic leaderships that we see. Eleven and ten are very rarely seen. It's seen on custodes and it's seen on characters. Mostly. Seven, seven to nine is the is the average. Right. So you got to think that generally speaking, 
you know, let's compare it to something that exists right now. And plus one to charge is fairly ubiquitous across a few different legions. We've got Night Lords, we've got Blood Angels, uh, we've got Abaddon who gives out a plus one to core and whatnot. So when you're looking at the, and, and an eight inch charge isn't too bad, especially if you have rerolls. When you're talking about, generally speaking, a lot of stuff is leadership eight, honestly. And in that window, you can very easily get down to a seven inch charge and then throw a reroll in. There's a really solid chance you're making it throw one more leadership debuff, which is going to be pretty easy to get honestly throughout this army. And you're down to a six inch, you know, it's, it's, I think it's going to come through a lot more often than people think. And while people are going to be using it semi-passively, while they're actively trying to use warp locus, the passive part is going to happen naturally. And because of that, it's going to bail you out even if your warp locus dies. And you're still going to be able to deep strike in and have an extremely consistent charge, which is what this codex has needed for a long time. It's delivery, yeah, consistent delivery mechanisms. I mean, even I saw, I was playing against Matt Morisoli most of 8th edition, and he was a very, very strong Demons player. And it, like, and then there were games when he would just have like three uh, Bloodletter bombs, and none of them would make combat with their Banner of Blood even, like the 3d6 plus one Banner of Blood charges, and none of them would connect in a turn, and he would just lose. And then there were games where he would make all of them and beat gods. Like, gods of the game would just fold up to his demon hordes. And then other games, it was just, like, falling flat on his face. It was such a, uh, yeah, you were either, yeah, either, either smashing or getting smashed. Um, but jumping into the Warp Storm effects, this is your mono-faction bonus. Um, and I'll read this verbatim, uh, how this works. If every unit from your army has the Legion, Legionis Demonica keyword, excluding models with the Agents of Chaos or Unaligned keywords, at the start of each battle round, you can make a Warp Storm roll. To do so, roll 8 D6s. For each 4+, plus, gain 1 Warp Storm point, or WSP, they have in brackets. They've, uh, for the first time ever, I think they've abbreviated one of their own special rules. Um, warp Storm points can also be gained by other rules or abilities. No matter the source, you can only gain Warp Storm points for such a rule if every unit from your army has Legionis Demonica, or, or um, excluding Agents of Chaos are unaligned. Warpstorm points can be spent during the battle round on the Warpstorm effects listed below and opposite, and each will specify when it can be used. Um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, big thing to note here is that you lose, unless you have a special rule that says otherwise, that allows you to retain. I think each god has to be given a way to retain a number of Warpstorm points around battle round by battle round. You will lose them at the end of every battle round and regenerate them again at the start of every battle round. So this is similar to how litanies used to work in the previous iteration, as you knew would roll for them at the start of the battle round, regardless who went first, who went second. So you always know how many you've got going into the top of the turn. Um, and then the it, it gets pretty saucy from there. Lots of different stuff. It, it, this is, is this the, I think this is the fourth or fifth time we've seen 9th edition bring us out an internal currency system or a, um, a resource management system. You know, we've seen Miracle Dice, Fate Dice, etc. Cabal Points being the first one, I think. And this is another such one. You can almost think this as an internal, um, an internal uh, blah, 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 CP pool but for very specific stratagems, and you, you use them and regenerate them every turn. How do you feel about this mechanic overall, mate? So this one's really interesting because it is extremely, like, with what they give you and whatnot, it, it is pretty reactive, which is good for something like this, as it, you know, in a lot of a lot of cases, we've seen the stronger specific abilities be ones that you can be reactive with, ones that you can go, what am I playing against? What am I looking at? All right, this is going to help me the most. I'm going to use this this time, whatnot. And it's turn by turn. 
So you can kind of mold it as the game goes on. Uh, but I will say it is also one of the most inconsistent ones we have seen for sure. It is very much you, you know, obviously the average is four, but in reality with averages, you over the spectrum of, of five turns, when the average is four, that means you can pretty much count on having a turn where you have two. You're going to probably have a turn where you have six. You're going to have turns where you have five and four and over the course of the tournament. I, I bet you you're going to roll a zero on one and maybe a seven or an eight on another. Correct. Um, so it's these are really good in what they give you. Uh, I would not build around them as I think that they are they are something that is that is a nice additive when you get it, but definitely don't rely on it. Do not yeah. do not hit your wagon to well. I just need to roll five four up so I can uh, I can regenerate some wounds. Mm-hmm. You know that's if if you have to and that's your only out. Fine, but it does have con- some consistency issues, obviously. Yeah, and one of the things I do and don't like about this, like let's say you're going second, you know, at, at the top of your opponent's, you know, essentially the start of turn one, your opponent's command phase, you roll your 8d6, you see, see how many 4-ups you get, your opponent sees how many 4-ups you get, and, you know, let's say this is three or four months into this book, so people are well-versed with what demons can do with this stuff, your opponent sees your one or two 4-pluses out of eight, and like, well, guess I'm pushing, and they push their whole army into you, and you, you they know you don't have the ability to dig yourself out. That's the st- kind of stuff I worry about. Uh, but at the same time, they see that there's a turn when they need to push to win the game, and you roll five four pluses, and you're like, "Ha ha! Do your best, son. I'm going to stop you." Um, that kind of stuff is there also. It's fickle, but it's cool. And uh, yeah, I hope there's I hope there's enough stuff in here, special rules wise, to level this out and give people some ability to plan around it and play for it. Because I think that if you could build around this stuff, your army just does get better. But like you said, it is it is very much your your prince or a pauper um, a lot of the time. Um, yeah, you're, you're you're definitely right on the fact that it's extremely telegraphed. Unfortunately, that's not an even trade as telegraphing that you have abilities to mess with their stuff when they need to push um, doesn't change that they're going to push. It doesn't yeah. change what they're going to do uh, if they need to. If they don't need to, then they might wait another turn and try their luck. Mm. Uh, whereas telegraphing, telegraphing, you don't have it when they have a timeline of two to three turns to figure out when they want to strike, it's just them waiting for their best opportunity. But yeah, yeah, that is definitely a weakness of it. All right, jumping straight in, the first of these is the most expensive. It's called Dark Configuration. It is five whoops, whoop storm points, or WSPs. Use this effect at the start of the morale phase. One model in each Legionnaire's Demonica unit from the army can regain up to D3 lost wounds. If every model in that unit has a wounds characteristic of one, that unit can instead be replenished. When it is replenished, you can return a D3 destroyed models to that unit with their full runes remaining. Each returned model no longer counts as having been destroyed for the purpose of the morale test this turn. Each unit can only be replenished once per turn. This is an interesting one in, in the timing of it. It is five. It is extremely hard to get um, or inconsistent that you will get it. Um, but it's used at the start of the morale phase, which I think is very interesting. How do you make of it, mate? What, what do you think of it? Yeah, so it's Honestly, less exciting than a lot of people. For for being the five, the only one in here that's five warp storm points, I was expecting more. Uh, a lot of people have looked at it and gone, I mean, think about it. If you have if you have, you know, pink horrors and you return D3 and those can split and stuff like that. And we'll kind of get into that later, but chances are you're not gonna have many of those left over uh in a lot of cases. Uh and uh then with 
monster mesh. A lot of people are like, well, D3 on every single monster is great. Most of the time, especially in ninth edition at high tables, people are going for kills. They're not trying to nickel and dime your monsters. They're not going to go, all right, well, I'll take four wounds off of Bellicor, five wounds off of Shalaxi, three wounds off of Scarbrand. No, it's 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 going to be... Kill them to the dead. <laughs> yep, exactly. And so that's not normally going to happen. And those big monsters should be picking up what they're getting into. Otherwise, you're running into some major trouble. So honestly, if I have five work storm points for that, I am looking at uh, a lot of other things in here. Um, if, if I'm looking at otherworldly tread combined with something like descending shadow, which is well, a- let's let's run through them one by one. And, oh, sorry I, about that. Yeah, that's okay. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about which the ones you might want to use instead. But dark invigoration is the one that makes sense if we could still take twenty and thirty man lesser demons. That's the one that makes absolute sense in that metric. When you've lost, you know, four four pink horrors from this one, you've lost three blood letters from that bomb, or a couple of plague bearers from this one, and you're going to get three D three back. At this instance right now, you're spending five to maybe get D three back. That's if they swung and they missed on a lesser demon unit, like something with one wound. If you could, if you could regrow a beast of Nurgle, if you could regrow a blood crusher or a screamer or a multi wound something of intrinsic value, sure. I think this is. I actually think invigoration is terrible. Um, yeah, I, I I don't like it. Um, also, funny thing about this, uh, the way it's worded, is it says a wound's characteristic of one, right, has to happen in order for you to return D3 destroyed models with their full wounds remaining. So, I mean, like, the, there's not really much of an option of returning a model that has a wound's characteristic of one without its full wounds remaining. <laughs> also, plague bearers are excluded from this because they are two-wound models. You cannot return plague bearers. Wow, okay. I didn't even know that. Damn. Yeah, um, that's right. a, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, next one is Primeval Terror. This is three Wolf Storm points. Use this effect at the start of the of a turn until the end of the turn, while an enemy unit is within range of a Demonic Terror ability of one or more units from the army. Subtract one from the leadership characteristic of the models in that unit. So essentially, neg two leadership, as in plus two to a Deep Strike charge. Should you be mono demons, which you have to be in order to use this ability. Uh, this one seems pretty good. Yeah, for, yeah, for three three points, it's exactly the way I read this is add another plus one to your charge. Yeah, three uh, for all points. demons in Deep Strike who want to charge something that has some sort of uh, demon near it as well. Exactly right. So this is your this essentially is your three Wolfstorm point plus one to charge off Deep Strike on the turn two or turn three mass Deep Strike turn. Is, yep. is the way I yep. read it. Yep. What's the next one? Uh, music of the Warp. Two Warp Storm points. Uh, use this effect at the start of your turn until the end of turn. Add six inches to the range of your Demonic Terror ability for instrument units in your army to a maximum of 12. Uh, so this is going from 6-inch minus 1 leadership to 12-inch minus 1 leadership, yeah? Yep. And if, like I said, if you roll the 5, uh, there's a real good combo right there. Primeval yeah. Terror, and you get a uh, another minus 1, and now you have a 12-inch minus 2 to leadership. Uh, that's going to cover most of the field when you're playing demons well. Yeah, well, you string out 10 lesser demons at, at like max coherency, and yeah, you can do a lot of different charges from that position, from you know deep striking off them. Um, next one is Malicious Misdirection. This is two Warpstone points. Use this effect at the start of the reinforcement steps of your opponent's movement phase. Until the end of that step, enemy strategic reserve units can only be set up as if it was the second battle round. So this is essentially on turn three. Set them back to turn two so they can't walk in on... Is it your table edge they can't... So is it your deployment zone they can't enter? They can enter off any table edge other than yours and can't be in your deployment zone. Yeah, this will get some people. It won't get a lot of people um, in that... 
basically it's specifically strategic reserve uh, and it's two warp storm points and stuff generally cannot be in strategic reserve past turn three. So it's yeah. specifically going to be turn three most of the time. And while it, it will get some people as people get more well-versed in the, in the demons codex, they'll just be like, yeah, I'm not going to set up in strategic. Reserves exactly. It's, you. it's you're going to catch people out who are trying to take engage behind enemy lines and R and D. Yeah. That's pretty much where it's going to happen. Or people trying to get around your flanks and whatnot. The thing is though, like I don't, I, the, the way I see it, if I'm playing against mono demons, I never want to be in your deployment zone. Cause as long as you have things in deep strike, I never want to be in your deployment zone. Cause you're essentially auto charging me from deployment. You're only failing on a snake eyes, charging me, deep striking three inches away if you, if in the deployment zone. So you have to have nothing in reserve, and I have to have taken one of those secondaries. And, 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 and. So I don't think this is going to be that much value. The most value is going to be telling your opponent about it so they don't pick R&D, engage, and behind enemy lines. <laughs> is the way yeah, I feel it. Though it will be helpful in certain regards where uh, there are certain... Uh, certain maps where your deployment zones are diagonal and whatnot, and there's yep. actually really large deployment zones that cut across the map and whatnot, which is also really good for our demonic uh, our demonic abilities of teleporting, because keep in mind, if you have a deployment zone that's only, you know, six inches away from the center exactly, or something that you want to get into, or near an objective and whatnot, you can be wholly within your deployment zone and still be halfway across the map in true. certain scenarios. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, Magnified Glory, three Warp Storm points. Uh, use this effect at the start of any turn until end of turn at three inches to the range of aura abilities of Legiones Demonica units from your army. Cool. I don't think that's amazing, but might come in clutch one turn of the game. Uh, depending on how certain tournaments rule it, I will very very nasty Nurgle combo with this um it's one of those things that yeah but it, it has some stuff to it but uh yeah it's it's not bad uh i already know uh on another effect i would like to add to it but like we'll get into that today actually so Fantastic. But, uh, yeah i think i think it has uh the the times you do use this and want to use this it's going to be amazing Beautiful. um otherwise it's all right it's not bad all right, next up, Otherworldly Tread, two Warpstorm points. Use this effect at the start of your movement phase or at the start of the charge phase. Start of your charge phase, rather. Until the end of that phase, Legionis Demonica units from your army can ignore any roll modifiers to their move characteristic advance ch uh, rolls, charge rolls. So you're playing on a WTC board with a bunch of forests. Cool, two Warpstorm points. All your deep strikes don't care anymore, or your moving face stuff doesn't care anymore. Uh, it's going to be this is going to be important, especially well. Should you be playing against freaking Tanglefoot custodies? I guess this is extremely important. Uh, other than that, I'd say it's pretty niche. Yeah, I mean, so I think that if you use terrain properly and whatnot, it can be a really big deal, especially when you're talking about player place terrain. So if you end up in a player place terrain scenario and whatnot, you can basically go. All right, I'm going to utilize this to essentially push one of your units outside of a, yeah. a reasonable charge range, and mine still is in a reasonable actually, charge range. It's actually very true. There are some armies who just have no ability to navigate, you know, that, those kind of forests. Things like repenture charges just really can't navigate forests. Um, and so, yeah, your you, your repenture of an awful charge. My guys charging into your lines do uh, have a fine charge. Um, I actually quite like that comparison uh what's the next one uh descending shadow i think we're going to see a lot of this one use this effect at start of your opponent's shooting phase until the end of the phase uh it's three warp storm points until the end of the phase each time a ranged attack is made against a legionis demonica unit from your army if the attacker is more than 12 inches away subtract one from that attack's hit roll this is my favorite one 
by the way. This is my ubiquitous, if as long as you roll three, slap it down um, for like the first bunch of turns and possibly the last bunch of turns, maybe turn two and turn three when you, you want to make all your charges from reserve and such, you don't. But prior to that, this is this is my catch-all. This is like, ah, cool. Even bolters and stuff, you want to just slap this down and make bolters worse. How do you feel about it? Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, I really like it. I think it's going to probably see the most use out of anything in here. I think except for maybe if you're going Mono God, there might be a couple you might prefer. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, it's I think it's my favorite one. Yeah, me too. Um, just just putting a blanket neg one on entire tower armies is uh, incredible. Um, even even against like I mean I, I think about the firepower that um, Tyranids have, the profiles Tyranids have into demons. I think that's they're actually a good shooting army into demons, and this is just a great answer for that. Um, Insidious whispers, two op storm points. Uh, this is an aura. While an enemy psychic unit is within 12 of this unit, each time a psychic test is taken for that psychic unit, it suffers perils of the warp on any dice roll that includes a double instead of double ones or double sixes. It's This is one of the ones where it breaks your brain trying to figure out that this is every model and unit in your army puts out a 12-inch aura now. Um and all of these do to, for that for that matter. Like every uh, this these are these are special rules. Like it's it's like spending miracle dice to get every for everyone in your army to have one auto X dice. Everything in your army just gets a benefit from these. So it's really hard to quantify how much power they're going to bring because right now all the only frame of reference I have is like one or two key units. But this is a whole army's worth of this. This seems pretty oppressive in the right hands. Oh yeah. Once again, we talked about you know. Uh, adaptable traits and whatnot. And this is a huge one. You go against Grey Knights, you know, where they have Oof. a lot of those anti-demon things. Yeah. And you're sitting there and you roll. And, and once again, let's talk about, you know, Dark Configuration in comparison. This is two Warpstone points. Magnified Glory, which adds three inches to the range of aura abilities. This is an aura ability at this mm-hmm. point. 15 inches. Uh, yeah. You're, you're now 15 inches out and every single demon in your army has it. You know, you throw even one demon up the board or deep strike in one demon with the locusts and whatnot. And basically every time they roll, there's there's a solid chance they're taking D3 mortal wounds and they're, they're uh, not just gonna throw out smites dude, everywhere for I, fear of losing models. I love yeah, I love the I mean the tit for tat of the of the, the granite one is kind of weird because they'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna smite you, I roll a double three, cool. You take D3, I take D3, but I have a five up against those D3 and you don't. So they're still probably gonna do it. But the fact that you have some clap back, like auto clap back, you don't need to shoot them back or anything like that. You just taking a little bit from them for them hurting you i think it's awesome and it's so demon it's so demon-esque i think it's really good um the one where i really like this i like this more against t-sons i actually really quietly like this very much uh, a lot against uh tyranids um where they have oh, their yeah. they have their zoanthropes and whatnot it's just like well your zoanthropes well so it's weird though because they have their 3d6 one and they can they can i'm not sure if they have to pick the highest or they can pick any two of the the 3d6s because then they can just kind of pick their way around it but I love the idea of it. I think I think it's cool. I think it's thematic as well, and you might be throwing it down. Um, all right. So the next part of this is that we have God-specific warp storm effects. So if you have a detachment, I'll, I'll read out the core cool ones. The first one, and it, because it, this is exactly the same for all of them. If your army includes any Legionis Demonica detachments, excluding auxiliary support, super heavy auxiliary network, whatever's fortifications, in which every unit has the corn keyword, you have access to the following Warp Storm effects. So you can have multi-god um, armies, as in, you have, you know, if you want, you could have Triple Patrol, have three different mono-god detachments, and access three different god-specific trees of Warp Storm effects. It's three for each god. Um, and I'm just going to do all of the corn ones, 
and then we'll talk about them. And then we'll do. Then you can do all the Nurgle ones. We'll talk about those, brother. But here's the first one for Corn. This is Fury of Corn. It is four Wolf Storm points. Uh, use this effect at the start of the fight phase. Until the end of the phase, add one to the attack characteristic of Corn models in your army. So that's four Wolf Storm points. So Lidges, Demonico, Corn, Demon army. So four whole army gets plus one attack. Just plus one attack whole army for Corn. Sounds pretty good. Next up is Burning Terror. This is two Wolf Storm points. Until it uses this effect at the start of your shooting phase, roll 1d6 for each enemy within 24 of any de Legion's Demonica units from your army uh, that is not wholly within an area terrain feature. On a 6, that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds. That's very reminiscent of, like, I think there's, was that their 7th edition codex where you would just pop off all these little strength 6 hits. Um, and then the last one is Overwhelming Rage, also for Warp Storm points. Use this effect at the start of your opponent's movement phase until the end of that phase. Each time an enemy unit, excluding aircraft units, within engagement range of any Legionnaires, Demonica Corn units from your army is selected to fall back, roll a D6. On a 4+, they cannot fall back. So that is your little monocorn package. And i got to say, two of those seem really good to me, but they are expensive. How do you feel about them? Uh, overwhelming rage is my favorite one, as I think no fallback oh. is the the biggest thing. Yes, it is on a four plus, but keep in mind that if you tag a bunch of stuff, you're going to at least get a couple of things, and you can multi tag stuff. So yeah. if you have a big base like a bloodthirster or scarbrand, and you touch a couple of units with them, well, guess what? They're going to need to roll dice for each, and as long as one of them's a four up, then at least you're not getting shot. Uh, Fury of Corn, really good if you are going to include lots of bloodletters. I think bloodletters benefit the most from this because the more models you have, obviously, the more this actually benefits you. Yep. So I think I think heavy bloodletter armies and heavy uh, fleshhound armies because of their general points cost to, to model ratio are going to really enjoy this uh, Fury of Corn. Burning Terror, it's, it's swingy. You might do it if uh, you're trying to you know, fish for something a little bit, or you you roll poorly and you don't really have another option, and you're just trying to get a little bit of damage ticked I'm, off on on most of your opponent's army. I'm of the opinion turns one and turns two when you are probably within 24 of a couple of different units from your your opponent's army. You have nothing else to spend your warpstone points on. You give your you, and you've rolled four or five or whatever it is. Make yourself minus one to hit first. You have two left over. See if you slap down some mortals on them. That's pretty much how I see burning terror. A little bit of chip damage here or there. If you've got like more than a handful of units within 24 of stuff, uh, it's it's definitely not a build around. As I think plus one attack is just phenomenal. And as soon as one thing can't fall back, you can just flip a game um, with overwhelming yep. rage. You can just win a game off of one unit. Off oh, we will, we will definitely talk about that. So good. All right, tell us about. Uh, do you want to do the Zinch ones? Do the Zinch ones for us, mate. Tell us all three. Do the Zinch ones. All right. So deluge of fire. It's four warpstone points. Use this effect at the start of your shooting phase until the end of the phase. Improve the ballistic skill characteristic of the Legionnaires' demonic Zinch units. Uh, from your army by one. Sorceress cool. wins, three warp storm points, uses effect at the start of your psychic phase until the end of the phase each time a psychic test is taken for Legiones Demonica Sinch units, add one to the psychic test, uh, then rampant mutation, three warp storm points, uses effect in the fight phase until the end of the phase each time a Legiones Demonica Sinch model from your army makes a melee attack, an unmodified wound roll of six inflicts one mortal wound on the target in addition to any normal damage. Each enemy unit can only suffer a maximum of three mortal wounds as a result of this effect per phase. Ba -bow. I That one annoys me. The T's and C's of that one really annoy me. The other two are fine. I think plus one to, to Psyche Test for three is really nice army-wide. I think it's very nice army-wide, actually. Uh, and plus one to hit is fine. That last one could be so much better. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I honestly, I think Zinch uh, comes out on the bottom as far as the warp sto- or storm points costs go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I say this is because at the end of the day, uh, you don't want them in melee with All rampant right. mutation. And the way it's worded, maximum of three wounds as a result from this per phase, per unit, you can't just swarm one unit with like yeah. three squads of horrors trying to get three from yeah. each. It's yeah. it's three and you're done. Sorceress wins is probably the winner here. As Agree. It's relevant to your list if you're taking pure Zinch as plus one to psychic test for everybody. That is nice. It does help. But I think Zinch, we're going to see a lot less uh, hero hammer, if you will. And we're going to see some other units sort of shine that don't necessarily have psychic powers. And Deluge of Fire, uh, there's, there's not really effective shooting in Zinch besides stuff that auto hits, which we'll go over when we get to Zinch. This is my problem. This is my problem with uh, Zinch. They're trying to make him a shooting army, and I'm not sure they've gone far enough. They're not, they haven't given him enough units that shoot. Um, there are some very good shooting options in there, though. I'm not going to say they haven't given him good units. They just haven't given him enough different options. You know, you can only take three of the good shooting unit. Um, Rapid Mutation should have just been shooting or melee. Um, as it sits right now, I don't think, apart outside Screamers, there's nothing that Zinch has that has enough, that's going to roll enough wound dice that's going to get three sixes, on, on even on average. So it, and then you have maybe, like, what? Then you have an all-Screamer army, and maybe you get <laughs> you get three models from each of them on the turn you use this. I think it's terrible. I think that's possible. Yeah, yeah. And, um, again, Zinch in melee. I mean, why? You're, you're doing this why because nearly... someone forced you to be in melee, not because you chose to be. You're doing it You're doing it because you're somehow... You, you're, the game has gone horribly wrong, and you've got multiple units in your worst... Stuck in your worst phase. You're, you're forced to contest the worst phase of the game for you. Anyway... Uh, here's the Nurgle ones. Swarming insects, four warp storm points. Uses effect in the start of the fight phase. Until the end of the phase, each time a demonic Nurgle model from your army makes a melee attack, add one to the hit roll. So just plus one hit, which is, you know, Korn's got plus one attack. Zinch has got plus one ballistic skill. This is just plus one to hit. Um, I, I do like it's, it's not plus one weapon skills, plus one to hit. Uh, I think that's a little bit better. Plague of Rust, two warp storm points. Uses effect at the start of the fight phase. And to the end of the phase, each time a demonic Nurgle model from your army makes a melee attack against an enemy vehicle unit, improve the AP characteristic by one. That's fantastic. Nurgle's always had a problem with AP in combat. It's They've always had the durability, but they've never had any AP to you know go through any armor. And then Wave of Sickness is two as well. Uses effect at the start of your shooting phase. Roll one D6 for each enemy unit within 12 of one or more Legionis Demonica Nurgle units from your army. On a six, they suffer D3 mortal wounds. So this is the is half the cost. Sorry, it's the same cost as the corn one, but what half is good because it's it's twenty four. The the corn one's twenty four. This one's twelve. Yeah, but it doesn't have the contention of being near area terrain. Oh, so, true. Yep. Uh, but the other one also says not wholly within area terrain. So I mean, you know, when people are toe tapping stuff and all that sort of thing, or certain units, yeah, it's it's a very weird. Sort of dichotomy, you know. I don't know if half make. range is worth the whole area terrain thing. Maybe eighteen inches would have been more yeah. reasonable. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the other two? I, I like the other, I like the the plague of Russ is my favorite one. Two two warps on oh. points for army wide plus one AP against well, essentially just to me to me it reads against knights when playing knights. Your army now does a thing, whereas before your army knights, didn't do dreadnoughts, anything. Uh, yeah. other certain vehicles and whatnot. No, I think the plague of Rust is solid. I like it. My favorite is actually swarming insects for sure. Uh, it's it's higher cost. But that plus one uh, to the hit roll is really, really big uh, Mm -hmm. in that I think some of the 
better units in this uh, list really, really benefit, in, in Nurgle, really, really benefit from that plus one. Totally fair. Tell us about Slanesh, mate. All right, Slanesh, this is uh, this is my favorite, personally. Uh, so, Slanesh has Mesmerizing Dance, four Warpstorm points, use this effect to start a fight phase until the end of the phase. Uh, each Legiones Demonica Slanesh unit from your army that is within the engagement range of an enemy unit can fight first that phase. Lightning Speed, three Warpstorm points, use effect in your movement or charge phase uh, until the end of the turn. Each time an advance roll or charge roll is made for Slanesh unit from your army, add one to the result. Cool. Dark Hallucinations, two Warpstorm points, use effect at the start of your opponent's turn until the end of the turn. While an enemy unit is within 12 inches of one or more Slanesh units from your army, each time that enemy unit starts to perform an action, roll 2d6. If the result is greater than the enemy unit's leadership characteristic, that action fails and the enemy unit suffers d3 mortal wounds. This is my favorite. This I, is hands down. Yeah. I love this. Uh, so there's, there's so many reasons why. One, look at the costs. Uh, everybody else has a 334, 424, 422, right? With Slanesh, you have a two, a three, and a four that are all relevant. Good. Yeah. And so you can sit there, and if you roll a you know, five, you could roll the two and the three. If you roll even a six, you got a two and a four, or you could use a three on your movement. And then, you know, it's, there's like so much you can do between this. And then the best one, in my opinion, if you are going pure Slanesh is mesmerizing dance, though the other two are nothing to sneeze at. So mesmerizing dance means because Slanesh just had it. Slanesh demons just had fights first, right? Now it yep, means they you, used to. They don't anymore. I, I have to assume they don't anymore because double fights first doesn't mean anything. So uh, that that is a little bit leading in now that I know that. Um, but yeah, multiple fights first when you're in multiple fronts uh, is so huge. Uh, Army wide fights first is massive. Uh, I actually really like dark hallucinations. Like really like dark hallucinations because all all you have to do is get one model within like just close to within six inches of the center of the table and your opponent can't do warp ritual anymore. They, there's a, so many um, mid-board obje- sorry, uh, actions people now, to, now have to do with their um, army-specific um, secondaries that now they just can't take if you've got a Slanesh attachment. Uh, I think it's really good. Yeah, and even your, your if you will, secondary primaries, uh, some of them have you know actions attached to them. A number of them do. And so when you're talking about you have like Bellacor up the middle and now you have a minus two from Bellacor because he gives you an extra and there's other ways to get those minuses. You maybe you sit there and you go, okay, I'm going to do primeval terror uh, for three warp storm points and dark hallucinations for two warp storm points. Look, now you're with Bellacor on the field. Now you're minus three. And if you try and do anything, I'm going yeah, going to stop you and give you D three mortals for I love doing it. actions. I think I think Slanesh are my favorites as well. Um, I love it. I really like Corn as well. The no fallback one is just such an activator for that army, and the threat of it is insane. The fact that you could just be to your opponent, hey, hey, don't get stuck in with me. Um, you know, a lot of people want to charge in rhinos to slow down things like you know sometimes greater demons sometimes. Um, because my old trick with the greater demon was charge the ten guardsmen and the chimera into the greater demon. The greater demon can't kill both, so it's going to be stuck there. Um, and now you're like, well, I'm not stuck in with you. You're stuck in here with me! Um, and it just gets hilarious from there. Uh, yeah, so jumping over, we are about to go into the Book of Blood, as in the little mini decks for 
corn now. And where it starts off, it just says, you know, if you're corn, you get blah, 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 all this stuff. So really, it actually starts on the page with the exalted bloodthirsters. Hey, but hey, exalted, exalted demons are back, baby. You want to give us people the, the TLDR of how exalted demons work? Okay, so exalted demons, uh, back in the previous codex, we used to have to spend a command point to exalt a demon. You can't choose the same exalted trait more than once in an army. And basically, you would spend one command point to give them an exalted trait, which would upgrade them to give them some additional ability. You can't do it on a named character of any kind. Uh, so, And they can each only be upgraded once or exalted once, if you will. So uh, now the change uh, is it up to your power level and your points, but you're just spending points on, on exalted traits now, uh, which is very good now that the uh, command point changes have happened because beforehand you really couldn't run monster mash anymore this yeah, brings the, it back the nephilim changes even even if demons weren't an extremely struggling faction and archetype getting no cp in which to spend possibly needing three cp to get three exalted greater demons uh it was just not a thing anymore but here's the corn ones um in order, they are 40 points, 20 points, 35 points, and I will read them to you. The first one, Indomitable Onslaught. Uh, this model cannot lose more than eight wounds in the same phase. Any wounds that would be lost past that eight are not allocated. They are lost. Um, Master of the Blood Tide. Each time this model fights, if it made a charge move, was charged or performed heroic intervention this turn, then until that fight is resolved, add one to this model's strength and attacks. So plus one strength and attack on the charge. Nice. Um, Rage Unchained. This model is considered to have double the number of wounds remaining for the purposes of determining what its characteristics are. So, uh, face capped, eight wounds, plus one attack, and strength on the charge if charged or heroic, and double the amount of wounds remaining on their degrading stuff. And I hear that I hear that the degrading profile for Greater Demons is actually pretty horrific. Like it's actually pretty punishing. Um, so it used to be way worse. Uh, I'll say this: it it is punishing. I don't think it's any more punishing than you would see a lot of other stuff. It's a little bit, don't get me wrong. Uh, But it's, it's better than it was. Let me tell you, it is way better than it was. Which of those uh, stand out to you? How do you, how do you value those three? Uh, Indomitable onslaught, even though it's 40 points at the most expensive, I think it's the best one in my opinion. Uh, Rage Unchained being the second best one and master of the blood tide with the plus one strength and attack is probably my, my, Last one I'll pick. So literally walk up to uh, look at your meta, look back at your bloodthirster, look at your meta, look back at your bloodthirster. Does Halo Doom, t- uh, freaking Tau, uh, Tyrannus Knights, do these things exist in your meta? Can can a bloodthirster be shot dead in one turn? Should you go second? If the answer is yes, Indomitable Onslaught is freaking amazing, and you should take it. Absolutely. You know, uh, and now that they have their new profile and whatnot, whereas before it actually wasn't, we had the same thing essentially. In the last book, but you the problem be, is we only had sixteen wounds. Yeah, so two, you two turn, you get two turns. Now you got twenty wounds, so it's minimum three turns. If they're only a shooting army, you get three turns from your bloodthirster. For those of you who didn't know, when we profiled really hard, eight wounds profiled you in your old in your old data sheet, and the profile dropped your number of attacks, your strength, and your weapon skill. Uh, you you were not doing well you you'd sit yeah. there and you'd be like cool i survived with eight wounds but now i only have four attacks with a bloodthirster what i i hopefully kill three marines I, you know i have some problems with the costings of rage unchained why is rage unchained f- only five points less than the phase cap when i think it's a, it's a, it's it's half as good um I actually think Rage Unchained should be... It should be 40, 30, 20 on this. Like, Rage Unchained should be 30 points. I don't know why it's only five points less than Face Cap. Face Cap is so powerful. 
Um, yeah, I mean, when, when you're looking at their profile and whatnot, in order to profile Bloodthirster at that point, you have to take it down to five wounds. So I understand how uh, that's why it rates number two at me, because it can be really, really good still. Uh, it's just not as good as Indomitable Onslaught, in my opinion. Fair. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think 25 to 30 would have been perfectly fine for Rage Unchained. Totally agree. All right, jumping into the stratagems, of which there are six. So it's one page of strats for each god, essentially. The first of these is Frenetic Bloodlust. It is a one slash two CP strat. Use this stratagem at the start of the fight phase. Select one Bloodletters core unit from your army. If that unit is not within engagement range of any enemy units, make a normal move of up to six inches with that unit. It must end this move closer to the closest visible enemy unit. If that unit is within engagement range of any enemy units, it can make a pile-in move. If this uh, was if this unit made a normal move, this stratagem costs 2 CP, otherwise it costs 1 CP if you do the pile-in. So this is at the start of the fight phase. You can just, for 2 CP, move again. Uh, this is pretty, this is good. This is really good. This is janky, nice, cool goodness. I'm here for it. Oh yeah, I mean, so check this out, right? Uh, you're going to use this, you're going to see some people use this back-to-back on maybe the same unit even, to sit there and go, cool, uh, I'm going to move up in my fight phase. I'm going to move forward six inches. And then after that, uh, you're going to move up. And if I need to, I'll spend two CP to move six inches forward again. Uh, not only that, but what you have to look at with that is you can movement block with it. And also it says you have to end up closer to the closest visible enemy unit. Yep. So you don't necessarily have to march straight forward. If you're, 12 inches away and you can make a diagonal move behind some sort of obscuring terrain, but end up 11 inches away, then it's fine that you move to the left five inches. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. The one that, the one that I like is you could kind of hop on an objective, hop off an objective. You could hop on at the start of their fight phase after their shooting phase is over, hop on one of your objectives, score for at the start of your command phase and then walk off it in your moving phase and then hop back on it next turn. So you could just, if you have an objective that's in no man's land, you could hold it pretty effectively with this tactic. Um, so you, you, it's like six inches outside your deployment zone, and you have a, a ruin in your deployment zone, and you just spend, you know, it's five inches away, you spend a CP, you walk out six inches after their shooting phase, score for your top of turn, into your top of turn, and then run back behind the ruin in your movement phase after you've scored your primary. This, this, There's some cool jank here that I'm here for. Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Extra movement's always good. Oh, absolutely, exactly right. Um, tell us about the next one. Uh, glorious decapitation it's two cp uh use the stratagem when an enemy character model is destroyed by a melee attack made by a corn character model from your army until the end of the battle that corn character model has the following ability slayer champions aura while friendly corn units are within six inches of this model each time a model in that unit makes an attack an unmodified wound roll of six inflicts a one mortal wound on a target in addition to any normal damage the unit can only suffer a maximum of six mortal wounds per phase as a result of this ability. You can only use this stratagem once. This is pretty big. If you're if you can get it off early enough in the game, that it matters. Um, how do you feel? Actually, how do you feel about it? This could be a this could be incredible if you could get this like cooking from like turn two or turn three onwards. But you know, if if it's only turn three or turn four, maybe you know, maybe just don't spend your CP. It is two CP. It is two CP. Uh, but I think. You'll see people definitely trying. There are going to be times where people do this with a demon prince. Yeah, um, you can kit out a corn demon prince pretty well. And with that, when you make this happen, it can be really good. Mm-hmm. However, if you are going into enemy characters, one of two things is usually the case, and that is either you are now deep in enemy lines. Yeah, or 
we're near the end of the game and uh, screens have been cleared out and whatnot. Uh, if you can, with your warp locus and with your special deep strikes and all that sort of thing, do that quick decapitation. You can use your warp storm points to increase this to nine inches. You can yep. then also with your weight of attacks with warp storm points or like Scarbrand does have an ability. You have ways that you can get to three or four attacks per blood letter and whatnot. And then yeah. you can absolutely push some hard damage. I think it's it's a very niche situation where this comes in, does its effect without the character dying in a yeah. turn that like matters for the rest of the game. But when it does go off, it's going to really actually push out a lot of extra damage. Yeah, exactly right. I feel like this is this is going to come up the most in the melee trading wars. Things like the Blood Angels list, things like the Sisters list. Um, a lot of the time when they have to push up and their characters have to be doing things. Like, all of a sudden, um, Angel Sacrifice is a horrible proposition, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. I'm going to make my that Greater Demon hit this, you know, very killable character. And you're like, okay, yeah, that, this is fine. This is totally fine. Um, anyway, next up, uh, Relics of the Brass Citadel, 1 CP. You just strategy before the battle. I think this is the this is just your ubiquitous purchase extra relic strat. Yep. Uh, so I'll just say it right now. Everybody has this. Uh, the cool thing about it though is because it's per god, uh, and we can only use each one of the god ones every or twice. The funny thing is, you could actually, if you really wanted to, you could just spend two CP on this one, two CP on another god's, two CP on another yep. god. Start the game with zero CP, but you got six relics. You got six relics, baby. And if you can make a reason for him, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, next up is Contempt for Sorcery. Uh, this is a four plus deny the witch within 24 inches of your of any unit in your army. Uh, add one to the assault if the enemy psychers in 12 of any flesh hound units. Um, and on a four plus, it is denied. Uh, pretty ubiquitous. I've had this before, but now the flesh hounds, they, I guess their collar of corn does a little bit more now and they'll deny you on a three plus. Um, but yeah, pretty good. Which one's next? Oh, uh, I just would like to say real quick about that. Uh, because of the flesh hounds, I just it, keep in mind, you know, the psychic phase comes first and whatnot. And the uh, flesh hounds, they uh, they move 12 inches. Yep. And then if you want to, you can advance them up and then pop the stratagem because they are core for uh, to move them up another six inches. Another six inches. Yeah. And then you can sit there and go, hey. Uh, I easily got up far enough to get you within range of uh, these uh, hounds in the first turn. And yeah, you're sacrificing 100 points, but then you have a deny on a really important psychic power. Turn no one doom, on a three plus. no jinx. No, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it, it, just threading it. Or, or no, you know, no interrogation. You just knock three points off their, their end score. Um, yep. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Brass Stampede's uh, up next. Oh, you go. Yep. Brass Stampede, one CP. Uh, it's when your corn cavalry or a corn vehicle unit from your army finishes a charge move, select one enemy unit within engagement range of that unit, but 1d6 for each model in the charging unit, add three if the charging unit is a vehicle. On a six to eight, the enemy suffers d3 mortal wounds. On a nine, the enemy suffers d3 plus three mortal wounds. You probably shouldn't use this. No. Uh, I'm trying to understand why this is worded so absurdly um, and so specifically. They, they went so far out of, out of their way to make this worse than it could have been. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so if if you're charging and in, like I guess if you're charging a six man block or something of uh, your cavalry in the you sure. know, blood crushers, I sure. But I mean, what are you going into that you're like, man, I I really need to spend a CP to get. Dude, uh, six plus does D three mortal you've wounds. Got nine, I don't... Yeah, you've got nine crushes. What are they? What are they yeah. struggling? The only only thing I think this is good for is it's getting around phase locks. 
Like you're charging a yeah. Catan, you're charging a Baden. This is this is where it, where it is very good. Um, but otherwise, this is god awful. Yeah, chaos yeah, god awful. Like yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't like it at all. Um, Banner of Blood, I do like. This is one CP. Just stratagem when a corn demonica icon unit from your army is selected to charge until the end of the phase. Each time you make a charge roll for that unit, add one additional d6 and discard the lowest result. One CP for three d6, drop the lowest when you could already be charging on a, on a, a six inch charge or a five inch charge because of your your um, leadership shenanigans. This is very powerful. Yeah, no, we'll we'll see this be used. Uh, I. I it's definitely in a pure corn list. And as we've gone over all the strats and whatnot, once you spend all your CP at the beginning of the game, uh, starting probably with like one or two CP, I, I think you're going to see a lot of frenetic bloodlust. Uh, you might see glorious decapitation and then banner of blood contempt of sorcery will be dependent on matchup, obviously. So I think banner of blood is probably the one you're going to see a lot of like corn specific yeah. uh, use out of to really ensure charges, especially in the situations where maybe your loci gets tapped really early. You're facing against high leadership. So now all of a sudden you have a nine inch charge and you're like, Oh no, I got to play the game just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait a minute. Here's a third dice. <laughs> yeah. It feels pretty good on those terms. Um, and I think uh, it was I correct in saying, as someone mentioned, uh, that every icon unit and uh, banner unit, just, they just have those now. You don't have to spend the 10 points on them anymore like you used to or whatever it was. Um, they just come with those keywords, yeah? And that being your blood letters and your, your blood crushes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They, so they just, each uh, one, one blood letter can be an icon, one can be an instrument. They just can't be the same, same model. Guy. Same with the blood crushers. Fair enough. All right, moving on to the warlord traits, the first of which is aspect of death. This is an aura. One enemy unit within six of this warlord subtract one from the leadership characteristic of models in that unit and another one from combat attrition. So doubling down. So 12 inches will be minus one and six inches will be minus two from all those rolls with this warlord trait. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, Braz and Hyde, each time the warlord would lose a wound, roll 1d6 on a five plus, the wound's not lost. Oof, 20 wounds, toughness eight. That is a lot of value. Uh, I am. Oh, I yeah. like that one. Devastating blow. Oh, yeah. Each time this warlord makes a melee attack, rules that ignore wounds cannot be used that's a uh, reaper of obliterax that's uh ignoring feel no pains is that ignoring phase locks as well uh yeah no uh all the other wounds are ignored get stopped in its tracks you can just go mm. through it uh so yeah it's a uh, it's really really solid i think this is wow. the one you're going to see picked the most i think that's amazing that's really 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 good uh next one a uh, glory of battle add one to the warlord's attack characteristics while it's within three inches of six or more enemy models add one to the warlord's attack characteristics while it's within three inches of 11 or more enemy models add one to the warlord's attack characteristics <laughs> i don't know where you're going to get in range of 11 models six is uh maybe doable uh, uh three maybe? three uh three inches of 11 models if you have the big base if you're rocking a greater demon is definitely possible yeah. And that's where that would shine. I don't think you're going to choose this very often. Nah. Uh, I think you're going to generally choose Devastating Blow I, or Brazenhawk, maybe. I think they've already got enough attacks, as it is. Yeah. Um, next up, Immense Power. Each time this warlord makes a melee attack, add one to the wound roll. I don't hate that, but I, I think they're already wounding most things on threes and twos. So maybe against knights, if you big knight meadow, it's a thing. Uh, what's the last one? Rage Incarnate. Add one to the advance and charge rolls made for the Warlord. Each time a friendly corn core unit declares a charge against an enemy unit with engagement range of this Warlord, add one to the charge roll for that unit. That's not crazy, because if you have... Ooh, that's not crazy, actually, at all. Um, yeah, so, so you could charge this guy in ha first, 
We've got a big old base uh, streaking back to a unit arriving from reserve. That banner of bloods for a CP and gets very comfortable charges. Um, how do you feel about this one as an activator? Uh, I think it's fine. I think it's, uh, you know, uh, it, it's the mandatory one on Scarbrand. So yep. it's not necessarily bad to take on Scarbrand, uh, especially when we're, we will go over his data sheet soon and whatnot. Uh, I would like to, now that we've actually said all these, two things. One, I uh, want to rip this Band-Aid off right now for you Cast Demons fans. We are the only ninth edition codex that I'm aware of where we cannot acquire a second Warlord trait. You cannot. There so. is no way that I have found. Uh, I wonder if this is some 10th ed proofing, um, because it is really weird that it's omitted. Really weird. Yeah, especially in such an HQ-heavy army, it's like a really big deal. And don't get me wrong, we have amazing ones. But when you talk about this sort of stuff, when we start talking about who you can take as your Warlord and stuff like that, or like the Supreme Command Detachment with Bellacor, keep in mind, you only get one Warlord trait. So so spend it wisely, okay? Yeah, agreed. When you can only have one, it's kind of nuts. For me, devastating blow. Wow, that is so good in the current meta. So many phase-locked characters. Like Abaddon shaken in his boots. Abaddon's going to walk six inches towards your massive greater demon that's just going to one-shot him. I think that's very powerful. Brazen Hide's the other one that I love. I think uh, I think my... my uh Devastating Blow is my number one pick, but for a meme list, I, I just want to mention this. Aspect of Death, just if if you ever wanted to, if you ever wanted to see if you could make it to where you can make a unit fail morale and then they just have to pick up their unit, uh, that's that's a key part of it. You do some Night Lords, you throw in, yep. uh, you know, you, you ally in demons and Night Lords give a minus one to combat attrition, demons give a minus one to combat attrition. Uh, he gives a minus one to combat attrition. Next <laughs> thing he knows, someone someone fails morale and they're picking up two thirds or three quarters of their uh, units. Very funny. I love it. Um, name character wise, already said Skybrands gets range incarnate, the one that's the plus one to uh, advance and charge. Um, Skulltaker gets devastating blow. So Skulltaker gets to ignore all your face caps and feel no pains and stuff. And then Karanak has Aspect of Death, which is that leadership debuff we just mentioned. All right. Um, moving on to the relics. Uh, first of which is Armor of Scorn. Uh, this is a corn monster model only. Each time an attack with a damage characteristic of 1 is allocated to the bearer, plus 1 to saves against that attack. Each time the bearer would lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound in the psychic phase, roll a d6 on a 4+, plus, that wound is not lost. If that didn't say psychic phase, if that just said mortal wounds, you get a 4+, plus against all mortal wounds, I would like that a lot more as it is. Um, really do not like it. What I, what I find really interesting is uh, the fact that, you know, the whole point of the demon saves was supposed to be, you know, you can't modify them, and then it's, uh, you can add one to the saving throw. Uh, yeah. Made for that yeah, attack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't take him long. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was almost immediate. <laughs> yeah. What's next? Like, uh, the Crimson Crown, at the end of the, each battle round, the bear destroyed, uh, if the bear destroyed any enemy models during that battle round, you can retain up to two unspent orc storm points. So this is powerful, but it's very inconsistent. Like, I mean, is this twice a game, maybe? I mean, against a competent opponent, they're not just going to, like, run at your greater demon and be, like, give, trying to give his thighs a hug while he cuts you down to retain two Warpstorm points. They're going to ask you about this and be like, well, let's just not get, let that guy get any kills, yeah? Yeah, I, 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 it's interesting. So I will also say uh, some do it in the form of traits, some do it in the form of exalt, some do it in the form of uh, psychic powers. Uh, each uh, part of this, uh, each group... Uh, faction has 
uh, a way to retain up to two unspent warp storm points. All of them are kind of underwhelming in that regard, except for maybe Zinch. And here's the thing with it. It's retained two unspent warp storm points. I think they very easily could have just said generate, generate two warp two storm points. I think, next, I think that yeah. would be much better. Um, yeah, I think that would be much better too. All right, Rune of Brass. Uh, the bearer has the following ability. It's an aura. While an enemy psychic unit is within 12 of the bearer, each time a psychic test is taken for that unit, it suffers the perils of warp on any dice roll that includes a double instead of double ones, double sixes. And each time that, that unit suffers a perils, it suffers D6 mortal wounds instead of D3. Uh, I think this is really cool, but it's too niche in the current Nephilim environment to make the cut, I believe. Yeah, if we were in, uh, if we were back, you know, another edition where we could do the uh, one CP for an extra relic at the start of the battle, rather than having yeah. to choose our relic. Sure, but in this case, you're you're unless your meta is just chock full of thousand suns and gray knights and whatnot. Yeah. Leave this one at home. Agreed. Next up, uh, blood drinker talisman. Each time the bear fights after resolving attacks, roll one d six for each enemy model that was destroyed by those attacks. On a five plus, the re- bear regains one lost wound. The bear cannot regain more than six lost wounds in each fight phase. This is this is my second favorite one. Uh, this is easily my second favorite as well. Uh, it's uh, when you are a face capped greater demon. This is the bee's knees. Um, I think this is what we're going to see most of in combination with the onslaught bloodthirster that can only lose eight wounds per phase. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Uh, next up, Agrath, the king of blades. Select one melee weapon the bearer is equipped with. Add one to the damage characteristic of that weapon. Each time the bearer makes a melee attack with that weapon, you can ignore any roll modifiers to the attack's hit roll and any roll modifiers to the wound roll. That weapon is now considered to be a relic for all rules purposes. Plus one damage and no modifiers means you're always hitting on twos and pretty much always wounding on twos. Uh, is pretty good. Pretty good, mate. Uh, but uh, once again, I'm of the opinion your greater demons are already killing enough to kill most things in the game. So... What's this mythical unit that you need to kill more? Yeah, I think this is for your demon princes, honestly. Oh, um, dude, no, dude, absolutely perfect. Sorry, I completely forgot they existed. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, you 100%. put it on your demon prince along with the uh, warlord trait, and this is this gives you a demon prince that can go through phase cap, gets yep. plus one damage, and ignores modifiers, and just eats when it gets in. And then, and then you know what? Decapitating strike, you know? It can, yeah. it can really... Uh, it can really happen with that. So yeah, I think that's the the big one, and that's I, I really like this one. Great, well put out. What's the last one? Uh, Skull Reaper for a model with an axe of corn only. This relic replaces an axe of corn that has the following profile. Uh, so each time an attack's made with this weapon, select one of the profiles. You can either do Mighty Strike, which is a strength plus four, AP four, D six damage, or a sweeping blow that is uh, strength user AP three. One damage, but its ability is each time an attack is made against a vehicle or a monster unit with this weapon's mighty strike profile, it has a strength characteristic of times two and a damage characteristic of D3 plus three. Each time an attack is made with a sweeping blow profile, make two hit rolls instead of one. Is this much better than the regular weapons? Like, is this, is this, uh, is this a dramatic increase? I'm not, I'm not abreast of what their uh, regular profiles are on them. Um, so I don't know how much of an upgrade this is, so to speak. Uh, it's... It's, it's, exa- it's exactly it's the same. Fine. It, yeah, it's the same. It's just good against monsters and vehicles. Oh, it's, yeah. It, it replaces it's, an axe of corn, yeah? Yeah, not a not a great axe of corn. It just replaces an axe of corn, which you would and, run alongside of well, with yeah. either the blood fail or the uh, lash of corn. Um, but yeah, yeah, so, it's, it's anti-monster, anti-vehicle. Again, I guess if you have a meta where people are just running monsters and vehicles, it can be fine. I'd still rather take something like Agrath or 
uh, Blood Drinker Talisman. Agreed. So it gives your Axe of Corn the smashy, mighty swipe, swipe profile of a greater Axe of Corn. That's pretty much all it yeah. is. Um, yeah. against monsters and vehicles uh it's, it's bad do not do not do not do that <laughs> yeah you deserve better corn players uh, you should probably drink- be tanking the greater acts of corn demon anyways as much as i do love the blood flail um blood drinker talisman is the obvious winner for me of of all these if you're going to pick one blood drinker talisman is the one that gets me over the line um uh the king of blades 100 dude as soon as you said the demon prince my eyes popped out i was like oh wow that is a perfect demon prince weapon yeah, I like so my favorite is uh, Argath, the King of Blades. However, if I'm needing to make a meta call and whatnot, or I'm needing to make a uh, make a choice for the best possible one, I agree. Blood Drinker Talisman is the best one, though I I love Argath, the King King of Blades. Well, dude, you got a twenty win Bloodthirster. Just getting like back above the um, you're on your lowest profile. Just getting back above eight means you get a whole another turn against a single turn army. Well, they have to make a whole nother big play to try and remove that guy the next turn. I think it's incredible. Um, oh, yeah. Well, it, when, when you think about it, if you recover that six over the course of the game, that's a whole nother turn or a whole nother phase they have to do yeah. on Bloodthirster. Exactly once you right. cross the, uh, the 24 wound threshold into 25 wounds. Mm. Um, all right. Next up, we have the Book of Zinch. Uh, the exalted abilities are as thus. They are 35, 30, and 20 points, respectively. First one, Architect of Deception. Each time a ranged attack is made against this model, subtract one from the hit roll. Uh, next up is Master Mutator. At the end of your psychic phase, roll 1d6 for each enemy unit that suffered any mortal wounds as a result of a psychic power manifested by this model. On a 2+, that unit suffers one mortal wound. So it just adds another mortal wound on the, on the end of your psychic phase to anything you've hurt. And that Nexus of Fate. In your command phase, if this model is on the battlefield, roll 1d6. On a 4+, you gain one command point. Uh... I can't honestly say any of those are amazing. I, f- I don't find any of those amazing. No, it's it's funny because as we go into data sheets and whatnot, uh, I know right now we're just doing the abilities. Oh, and whatnot. sorry, we we totally skipped a thing that we were going to do. Oh, oh, we are doing data sheets. Though, yeah, no, we're not doing all the data sheets. We're going to do one or two of the corn data sheets that you think are worth talking about, mate. So you you pick one or two that you think are going to be meta that people are going to need to know about that the people need to hear. Uh, and I will unpack them for us. Okay. The, there are two in this that I, I really, really... One, I think people know about that have read this book. And the other, I think people uh, don't realize how amazing it is. The, the one that I would say people definitely know about is uh, Flesh Hounds. Yep. All right, um, I, will, I will tell you a story of the Flesh Hound. So they are movement 12, weapon skill 3+, plus, strength 5, toughness 4, 2 wounds, 3 attacks, and they have a save of a 5+, plus and a 4+. Plus. In uh, They actually have a shooting attack now. They have a flamer attack, which is uh, a range 12, assault d6, strength 4, neg 1, a 1 damage, which automatically hits. And then in combat, like I said, they have their 3 attacks base, 4 on their gorehound unit champion of strength user, that being 5, minus 2, 1 damage. Their Collar of Corn in their opponent's psychic phase, this unit can attempt to deny one psychic power as if it was a psyker. And then they have Savage Pounce. Each time a model in this unit makes an attack with its gore-drenched fangs, if that model's unit made a charge move or performed heroic intervention this turn, add 1 to the attack's damage characteristic, putting them up to strength 5, minus 2, 2 damage. Uh, I'm a fan. That looked pretty good. Yeah, they are only 19 points apiece. Uh, so when you're talking about a unit of five, you're looking at less than a hundred points for 10 wounds, toughness five or toughness four, strength five. And when they charge with a 12 inch move and you know how corn is, you can very easily get them in at three attacks, 
uh, four on the leader. You're looking at 16 attacks, hitting on threes. Uh, they are core, so there's plenty of ways to give them reroll ones. And with the ability to give them plus one attack from Scarbrand, plus one attack from your specific Warp Storm Point abilities with Corn, you know, sitting there and, and going, here's a 95 point unit. Here's what would that be? Five times five plus one, 26 attacks hitting on threes, rerolling one, strength five, AP two, two damage. Yeah, no, they're really good for their points and the fact that they can deny and yeah. help your Warp Storm point denial uh, go to a three plus. Yep. They will help you in certain matchups dominate the psychic phase, uh, which is really good since Corn doesn't naturally get a lot of psychic defense Agreed. otherwise. What's the other one we want to talk about? Scarbrand himself. Good so, pick. All right, let me let me tell you a tale. Yes, uh, yeah. He comes in at 330 points, I believe, yeah? Yep. Um, he's only movement 8, of course, because his wings are uh, in not good shape. Uh, his weapon skill, list skill 2+, plus, strength 8, toughness 8, 22 wounds with 8 attacks and a 4x4 four four save. When I say 4x4, four four, I mean that it's both 4s in the shooting. He's got a 4-up in Vaughn in the shooting and fight phase. Um, he has a Bellow of Endless Fury, which is his essentially um, 2d6 heavy flamer. So auto-hitting at range 12, assault 2d6, strength 5, minus 1, 1 damage. Um, and then he has Slaughter and Carnage. Each time an attack is made with this weapon, select one of the profiles below to make that attack with. The Mighty Strike is melee times 2. Uh, so strength 16, neg 4, d3 plus 3. Each time attack is made with this weapon, invulnerable saving throws cannot be made against that. So he, he, he was sitting back with his fatty demonic invulnerable, which cannot be altered. He laughs at your own petty invulnerable save, sir. And then his sweeping blow is strength user, neg 2, 2 damage. Two hit rolls instead of one. He then has the following uh, special rules. Uh, Witchbane, this unit cannot be targeted or affected by psychic powers. Wow. And then he has Rage Embodied, which is his aura. Uh, while the unit was in six of this model, uh, plus one to the attack characteristic of models in the unit. Each time a morale test is taken for that unit, it is automatically passed. And each time that unit is selected to fall back, the controller player, the controlling player rolls 3d6. If the total is greater than that unit's leadership characteristic, they cannot fall back. This is a very good unit. Okay, so let me break this down piece by piece real quick. First of all, he has Warp Locus. That is a rarity. The only other place you can get this in Corn is, unfortunately, in uh, their fortification. Not really worth it. No. This is going to be your Warp Locus guy, unless you're going to run Bellacore, which we can talk about later, of course. Um, two, when he profiles, he does lose weapon skill, down to weapon skill two, three, and then four. But he actually gains attacks. He yeah. just gets angrier and angrier, which gets him more attacks. And then let's talk a little bit about his abilities. He ignores invulns, which is excellent, very relevant in the metas uh, today. His sweeping blow is flat two damage at AP two. Uh, so he's picking up generic space marines pretty easily. Very easily. Uh, and then this is these are the big ones. So Witchbane cannot be targeted or affected by psychic powers. Now, if you look in the FAQ... When it says not affected by psychic powers, that actually includes benefits to a unit affected yep. by psychic powers targeting him. Yep. If, so, so if, you if you have guided a, a unit, you cannot reroll the hits against Scarbrand, yeah? Exactly. You press against the unit, plus one to hit. Well, they don't get it while they're going against Scarbrand. Plus one to wound from a psychic power. Anything that would affect something that involves him from a psychic power doesn't happen. So that's actually a really, really big deal. And then Rage Embodied. 
So I talked about earlier with the warp storm points, increasing the range on certain auras. This is one of them. This is a huge one. It's a unit within six inches. If you want to spend the warp storm points, you can bump it up to nine inches, which is a huge aura, especially with his base. Add one to the attack characteristics of models in that unit. That includes enemy units, unfortunately. Yes, yes, Everybody's really angry when they're around him. But it also includes <laughs> himself. Uh, each time a morale test is taken for that unit, it's automatically passed. Demons are low morale. Uh, they're low leadership. Uh, so if you're running a lot of generic demons, it can help hedge up losing some of your demons to uh, certain things and whatnot. Though it does work against you in that your whole thing is attacking leadership and combat attrition tests. Though... Generally, the uh, still the leadership phase isn't super. The morale phase isn't very important in this game as much. You're more caring about the benefits you get from subtracting from their leadership in other ways. And then this is the big one. Each time that unit is selected to fall back, the controlling player rolls three d six. If the total is greater than the unit's leadership characteristic, Huge. they can't fall back. Huge. When that's a nine inch aura, and you do something like, I'm going to push Bellacor up. Uh, and there's multiple ways you can do it. In fact, when we go over the Zinch stratagems, I'll bring him up again. But when you push him up, he is a demonic loci. Then you drop Scarbrand in. If you haven't put Bellacor in the Supreme Command, you can make Scarbrand your Warlord if you want that extra plus one inch. Yep. And then next thing you know, you're in six inches. You need a five-inch charge. Very easy to make. Yeah, and you dude. can push his hit him to a nine-inch range. Mm -hmm. So you can engage with one enemy. And then trap multiple, multiple enemies in this aura, charging other things into uh, other pieces of your opponent's army. Charge the same thing that Scarbrand charged. Exactly right. Because Scarbrand's yeah. going to pick them up, right? So you charge the same thing that Scarbrand charged, but now once Scarbrand picks them up, yo, cool, I'm going to consolidate and pile in because I legally can for making a charge, even though I don't have a target anymore. Touch something I'm not allowed to attack because I didn't make a charge move into it. And now you're stuck with me and yep. I don't have to weather your shooting phase. There's going to be so many people whose 8th edition uh, skill sets just get activated by by playing Corn and Scarbrand. All those tri-pointy tagging, extra pile-ins with the stratagem, etc., etc. You're just going to go like, wow, this is like last edition. Cool, all this stuff I didn't think I could do anymore. I get to do again. Um, it's going to be really cool. I love it. I think it was two great picks, mate. I think the flesh hands are going a little bit by the wayside. Um, the only one I would say, I'll just call out there, like people have a look at have a look at skull cannons. I think they're a lot better than they, they've ever been before. They might just be good enough, but uh, we'll touch on those another day. Um, oh, also, if I can just make one correction, when I mentioned the frenetic bloodlust, I totally passed over the part that it says blood letters core. You cannot do it with uh, the flesh hounds. I thought it said. Uh, Corn core. Cool, that's cool. my bad. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, all right, back to the Book of Change. So, Exalted, Greater Demon, Exalted, uh, Lords of Change. You get, uh, you can pay 35 points to be minus one to hit. You can pay 30 points to have an extra mortal wound on a two plus to anything you've already done mortal wounds to with this in the psychic phase. And then you can pay 20 points to get a command point on a four plus in your command phase. I'm of the opinion you're probably not paying for any of those, possibly. Yeah, so the best one would be Architect of Deception, but let's but, be honest, yeah. they have a 3-plus save against range attacks anyway that and can't you have be modified. A, and you have an army-wide minus one to hit Warpstorm. Yeah, you're 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 overcommitting at that point. Yeah. There's a certain point where you get diminishing returns. It's like when World Eaters got um, 
you know, one more attack on Berserkers, and I'm like, going from 80 attacks to 100 <laughs> attacks doesn't actually do anything mathematically. Yeah, cool. It yeah. sounds nice, but what were you going into that all of a sudden you, the 80 attacks weren't doing anything? One like, oh, that point kill- really topped it off. That Warlord Titans all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> shaking yeah. in his boots. Yeah. He wasn't scared before. Uh, myth- mythical Titanicus breakpoints, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know what you're fighting that you sat there and went, man, I had a three-up invul, and if you're running a Lord of Change, when we get to the relics, you're, I'm going to tell you one that makes him very, even harder to kill. And you were like, man, if only I had minus one to hit, the three-up invul just wasn't enough. You know? Exactly right. Well, for the longest time, I think for the last two editions, we've been able to have a borderline unkillable Lord of Change. As in, in 7th edition and 8th edition, we had Lords of Change that you could make that are... They didn't do... Like, they weren't game enders in of themselves, but they were medium-level good, and they were there all game, which just is intrinsic value. Just knowing it's going to be there for five or six turns is just good. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can you can still make one in the shooting phase. It just no longer applies to the fight phase. Yeah, because as soon as you touch them in combat, like, yeah, for some reason, the intercessors just, like, take a chunk out of them. Um, oh, all right. Yeah. First of the stratagems, which we're about to start on, Minions of Magic, 1CP. You use stratagem in your shooting phase when a horror's core unit is selected to shoot. Through the end of the phase, each time a ranged attack is made by a model in that unit, on a modified Rudolph 6, the armor penetration characteristic is changed to negative 3. Now, they are negative 1 inherently, so this is essentially turning them into shuriken weapons. Uh, I don't mind it. 1CP, I do not mind this at all. Uh, it's fine if you're... If you're um you know, really keen on the horrors and whatnot. Uh, just, you know, we, we don't have the ability to bump up to an assault three weapon anymore that I've seen uh, going through this. So it is two shots a piece. So, and, and from a, from a unit of 10 now, if this was like back when we had a unit of 30 that had three shots a piece and 90 yeah, shots and all that Huge. sort of thing. Um, yeah. It's, it's that's And it's only one unit. So, I mean, like, Statistically, you're looking at 20 shots. Even if you were hitting on twos, rerolling ones, you're getting 19 hits. Uh, then three, you're three, looking for six three sixes. Four sixes, maybe. Three to four sixes, yeah. You're increasing the AP of three to four wounds, which not really, in my opinion, worth worth the worth the, the one command point on it. That is fair. All right, what's the next one? Uh, burning Warp Fire, one CP or two CP. Uh, use a stratagem in your shooting phase when a flamers unit is selected to shoot until the end of the phase. Each time a model in that unit makes an attack with flickering flames on the pink on pink fire, uh, uh, fire of Zinch that targets an enemy unit that contains 11 or more models. When determining how many attacks that model makes with this weapon, the result of less than nine is nine. Basically, what it is is in, it's increases based on your flaming unit size. Flamers, uh, unit of three, cost one CP, four more, two CP. Basically, get max shot on Flamers if you're shooting at a horde. Yeah. If you're shooting at 11 or more models, Turn get blast. max shots for yeah. your Flamers. Yeah. This will, uh, you're not always going to face a horde. When you do, you will use this. Uh, I'm quietly pretty high on Flamers, so I think, yeah, I think you will use this um, when you need it. All right, next up. Uh, Warp Jaws, 1 CP. you got to assume this is for Screamers. Yes, it's for Screamers. You the strategy in the fight phase when a Screamers, Fate Skimmer, or Burning Chariot unit from your army is selected to fight. To the end of the phase, each time an attack is made with a Lamprey Bite or Screamers Bite by a model in that unit, add 1 to the wound roll. 1 CP plus 1 to wound. That's not crap. Yeah, it's not. Um, the, the problem is, is that the, the Lampreys are strength 6, and so... Or the uh, the screamers are the lamprey bite is strength six, but the 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 problem with them is not the uh, the 
uh, wound roll. The problem with them is the hit roll as they hit on fours. Hit on fours. Um, I would much rather have seen this as a plus one to hit, and that would have really actually made the uh, unit of lampreys feel a lot better. Uh, the other problem is again, you're you're looking at another unit that that when you're sitting there and trying to do melee with a unit, and you just have a six plus save. This is and that's it. In- this is the issue I have with Screamers. I want Screamers to be cool. I think they're some of the most amazing models. But the fact is, you have a, a melee unit in the Zenj army, which means it's a melee unit with a six-up save. You have a three-up when you're not in melee. So you have to know 100% of the time that when the Screamers fight, they're fighting first, and they're going to finish what they kill. Because you just have like one sergeant with a, one blade guard sergeant left, and he just like annihilates the whole unit. Um, stuff like oh, that. Yeah. You can't. Oh, yeah. you're, it, they've actually got good profiles, but you can't risk them. You can only commit them as a finisher, and th- that's why I kind of have a problem with them. Because um, they can't. You can You can never bully with this unit, even even against like freaking Eldar. Like Guardians might just punch too too dead for you for, for like no apparent reason. Stuff if like you're, that. If you're using them, you're using them to harass and defend because of their large movement and their ability to teleport with a stratagem. Basically. And that is basically that they, uh, they, yeah, they, they, uh, or sorry, not, uh, not stratagem, but an inherent ability to teleport. Yeah. And so they'll go back and get to your objectives. If someone drops in behind your lines or they'll go and pick on units that are left by themselves so they can pick them up really quick and not have to worry about being surrounded all of a sudden. But yeah, yeah, they're, they're unfortunately a little lackluster. For they're, me. Aw- they're awkward. Um, all right. What's next? Uh, so magical boon. One ZP. Yes. I'll just do it. It's <laughs> generic, yeah. It's the generic uh, um, use stratagem at the start of psychic phase. Um, you can I you can manifest an additional psychic power. It's a generic uh, psyker stratagem. You see it in most psychic lists. Uh, but yeah, you'll you'll use it. You'll absolutely use it if you are going full zinch and you have multiple psychic powers you want to cast, or if sure. you just want to get off a of smite and all that. Uh, you'll see it used. How many how many casts does a Lord of Change get? Is it three? I believe a generic Lord of Change. Let me double check. Uh, he can attempt to deny two, and he can manifest three. How many spells does it know, though? <laughs> does he it know knows, enough? It knows three. However, Kairos knows them all. Cool. So Kairos, you can do four. You could do four spells a turn with Kairos. Well, well, what I was trying to get at is that might be the build where the extra Mortal Wounds guy, uh, like Exalted Lord of Change, works. Doing three spells plus a smite every turn with for one CP, yeah. and then just sprinkling out a bunch of extras at the end on two pluses. Like you could spread out a lot of mortals per turn. Like he feels like a, a very reliable Catan at that point, right? Yeah, at an elite uh, against an elite army um, without as much screening, or against a monster army, maybe another demon's army, uh, that can absolutely put some hurt on some stuff, especially with heavy defensive profiles. Yeah. Um, next up is the relic stratagem. To, it's the same as all the other ones. So j- moving forward, this is the warp portal strat. This is a one slash two CP strat. Use this stratagem in your movement phase when you select a Legion's Demonica Zinch character model from your army to make a normal move. Instead of moving as normal, remove that character unit from the battlefield and set it up anywhere on the battlefield that is more than nine inches away from any enemy models. If that character model has the herald keyword, this stratagem costs one. Otherwise, it costs two. So it is a gate of infinity. For CP rather than psychic, or a de jump uh, for CP rather than psychic, I think this is quietly pretty good, especially for a get out of dodge um, ability. Oh, this is, and this is where I said I'd uh, bring up Bellacore again. You can do it to Bellacore. Oh, that's really good. So you can turn and, one just and like. So here's the thing: bonk. Demonic Locus. 
says your the model that you use the demonic locust from has to have started the turn on the battlefield. battlefield. So if right. Bellacor started on the battlefield and you've hidden him away for a turn, you've set him back for that first turn just to be like, okay, I want to make sure this demonic locust goes well. You can spend the zine stratagem to teleport him nine inches away and then drop in something like Scarbrand yeah. with the locust right on top of somebody. That's pretty heinous, man. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, actually. Wow. Um, and yeah. so, but you need to have a mono zinch. Uh, do you have to have a mono zinch detachment to unlock these stratagems? Or just no, have any the only zinch thing that mono god gets you is uh, mono god just make gets you your warp storm Specific specifics ones. for that. And also, just so everyone knows, if you run Bellacor in a supreme command detachment, he unlocks all of the warp storm point parts because he is a detachment with every keyword solo those things. However then he has to be your warlord and you lose out on some sweet warlord traits. So there's a trade there. There is still a trade. All right, what's the next one? Uh, Flames of Mutation, one CP. Use a stratagem at the end of the fight phase. Select one Horus unit from your army uh, that had any enemy model any models destroyed during this phase. Select an um, enemy model within, or enemy unit within engagement range of that unit and roll 1d6 for each model in the Horus unit that was destroyed during this phase for each six the enemy unit suffers one mortal wound and it's phase capped at six mortal wounds per phase is this ever going to be a thing um, units, are too, units are too small now right so okay so say you take a unit of 10 and you roll just nine four ups you lost all but one pink core and you lose like nine four or nine uh pink cores i guess and then you you all of a sudden you have 19 blue horrors then in the next phase you lose those 19 blue horrors and you still keep the one pink horror and then if you really want to do th roughly three mortal wounds i guess you can spend the strat then um yeah it's, fair. it's really bad you know you have a six plus save with those horrors and splitting the way it works now uh just to to get this out of the way i know we're going a little bit in data sheets but i think it's very relevant right now um Splitting the way it works is you don't have to have reinforcement points anymore. Instead, on a four plus, a pink horror, when it dies it after comes. combat is resolved, essentially, after the attacks have resolved, um, if your unit is still alive, for every pink horror that died on a four plus, it splits into two blue horrors. Uh, and for blue horrors on a four plus, they split into one brimstone horror. So the unit has to survive. So you're, you're talking about a. So, okay, so you're, it's, it's 10 cultists, essentially. Because they're freaking oh, got a, they got a six up save, a toughness three with a six up save. So you just got to do you have does the unit that charge them have ten attacks? Kudos to you, you probably killed them all. You know they're very easy to kill. Oh, it's worse than it's worse than ten cultists in my opinion. Because the thing is, is like the the cultists can at least have some semi relevant melee swings back with equipment. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. Do not. They do not. Uh, yeah. So. So I don't think this is ever coming into play. I think I think the pink horrors are are uh, they they they're probably going to get shelved in a lot of cases unless you're really really trying to have a pure zinch detachment with some troops. I hope we are completely wrong and there's something here we're not seeing because pink horrors are one of the most thematically awesome, amazing demon mechanics ever, and I want them to be good. Uh, but we will see. Last up, we have the blasted standard. This is one CP. Use your stratagem at the start of the psychic phase. Select one. 
uh, Demonica Zinch Icon unit from your army until the end of the phase each time you make an unmodified psychic test roll of a 9 or more for a friendly Demonica Zinch Psychic unit within 12 of that unit. The closest enemy within 24 invisible to that selected unit suffers one mortal wound. That is a lot of T's and C's into a small paragraph. Let me break this down. So Zinch Icon unit from your army to the end of the phase each time you make a 9 or more on a psychic test um, whilst within 12 of this Icon unit something within 24 suffers a mortal. Okay. Something visible within 24 suffers a mortal. Okay. It, it, this seems terrible. Uh, yeah. I mean, one, you have to take, uh, you have to take pink horse for this to work. Um, they're the only icon I can find. Uh, so you have to take those, which I wouldn't do. And then you get extra mortal wounds for every nine plus that you roll. I guess if you're like wanting to go a fun little thematic, like the, the, the changer chickens all out. Kairos plus sort of change plus sort of change plus sort of change. So this should I, not, I guess this should not be unmodified nine. This should be a modified nine. This should. Oh, be it's unmodified too. I was actually just about to ask about that. Yeah, it's, it's unmodified as well. Yeah, this is terrible. Horrific. This is horrific. I can't even make a list around it. Like, if I really, really wanted to use that, I don't think I don't think it would work. Nah, because uh, what yeah, you wanted to be able that? to do is bubble this out um, from the unit, get five or six casters, put the plus one to cast on all of them. Use whatever buffs and means and tricks and traps you got to get a bunch of nines or better, and just lay down, you know, twenty mortal wounds in a face. Um, you will not do that with this. You will get this off. What? Cool. Let's. Cool. You got four casts. Maybe one of them gets you one more mortal wound. If you got four casts bubbled up around this one unit, um, it's tra- it's trash, man. Uh, it's and and it's what what hurts me is that it's so bad in comparison to the corn one, which is another icon based one that just enables that corn unit to do the thing it's built to do, get into combat. This should be something that just gives a flat buff to pink horrors, either shooting or psychic, and just buffs the unit. You shouldn't have to put other crap around it to make use of the one strat at one CP strat. Um, I'm uh, yeah, I don't like I don't like most of these stratagems. Uh, in fact, I don't like what do I actually what strategies do I actually like? The flamer one, I think, is good. It makes sense when it comes up; it's going to be good. The extra cast is the only one I think you could even possibly use turn by turn. War portal is the best and stratagem in here, hands down, in my opinion. And it's only because Bellacor exists. Because if you're trying to push up a Lord of Change nine inches away, you're throwing him away. Yeah, and yeah, the war, war portal is the is the bee's knees. That thing is very powerful. Okay. Jumping into, oh, sorry, did anything I say there was out of turn? Any other really good ones that I missed? I don't want to, I don't want to be a dis, do a disservice by Zinch. Oh no, no, no. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, it's it's really funny because I think the best data sheet in the codex is in Zinch, awesome. so you'll see a lot of Zinch in that in that regard. But I think Zinch is hands down the weakest of the four chaos gods. Otherwise, there you go. Interesting. All right, we're going into the pandemoniac, pandemoniac. Discipline? Man, they... Whatever. Uh, the, the names, just... Yeah. Uh, Boon of Change. Blessing is a warp charge value of 6. If manifest, select one friendly Legionus Demonica Zinch unit within 18 of the Psyker and roll 1d3. Until the start of your next Psyche phase, it gains a relevant bonus from the table below. On a 1, uh, plus 2 to move. On a 2, plus 1 to strength. And then on a 3, plus 1 to toughness. So... Uh, well, two might as well not exist for Zinch. Plus one to strength for Zinch units. I don't know when that's going to ever be a thing. Plus two to move is nice. Plus one to toughness is awesome. Uh, as it sits, there is if there was like a cool, if you roll this on a, on an eight or more, you get to pick or something attached to this, this would be good. As it sits right now, I think it's pretty crap. Uh, 
So it actually does have down below it on on the nine or more. I missed the whole sentence. If the result of psych test was a nine or more, you can select which one applies. I just led myself. I just debated myself. That's so good. Leave it in, Seamus. Leave it in. Um, So, so there's a there's a combo with this that I that I think is actually uh, really nifty. It's it's not you you might use it if uh you know a lot of people are talking about two gods right now um and i don't mean two specific gods i mean building our lists around two gods you can uh-huh. go nurgle zinch you can go zinch corn you can go slanesh corn stuff like that um and for people who are looking at possibly doing nurgle zinch um you can with bellacor in the supreme command you could rely on a Lord of Change with his plus two and try and give other bonuses and yeah. whatnot so you can get that choice. Uh, choose a Zinch unit, i.e. Bellacor, within 18 inches of the Psyker and give him plus one toughness. Now he's toughness eight, right? Yeah. Then, Big. and just uh, not to skip too far ahead or anything like that, there is also a Nurgle spell that you can get Bellacor to cast that will give him uh, plus one toughness as well. So yep. you can have a toughness nine Bellacor with Oof. minus one to wound. Wow. But it sounds like a bit of a rabbit hole to get there, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's definitely a Rube Goldberg machine. It's not, you're probably not going to see this in competitive play, but it's one of those things that if you're going to an RTT and you're like, I want to do something fun and funny and all that sort of thing, here's here's a Bellacor being wounded on fives by Laz Cannons and yeah. sixes by Voltas. Yeah. Here you go. It's a fun little rabbit hole. Uh, and yeah, now that you have that caveat of the nine or more, this seems a lot better. I still don't think it's amazing, but you got Fate Weaver, yeah. hey? You got them all anyway. It doesn't matter. What's the next one? Uh, Bolts of Change, Witchfire. Bolts of Change has a warp charge value of seven. If manifested, select one enemy unit within 18 inches invisible. Roll a 96. For every five plus, that enemy suffers one mortal wound. Nice. For each model destroyed as a result of those mortal wounds, that unit suffers one additional mortal wound to a maximum of three. These additional mortal wounds cannot generate any additional mortal wounds. Uh, so if you go into one wound units, you'd get an average of six mortal wounds. It's really bad. good. Yeah, it's quite good. It's a, it's on a seven. Um, it's not, it doesn't need to be. Uh, it has to be eighteen and visible to the psyker. But this is quite good. Um, plus, it's the cast will make this a lot more reliable. Having it on a seven is, is a bit rough. Uh, but yeah, this is this is actually really nice. I like it. Uh, Gaze of Fates up next. Uh, as a warp is a blessing, a warp charge value of seven. If manifested at the end of the battle round, if this psyker is on the battlefield, you retain up to two unspent warp storm points. That's pretty. I mean, can, can, how reliable can you make that seven, mate? Because now we've got two powers that both need sevens. In fact, the next one needs a seven, the next one needs a seven, and the last one needs an eight. Everything here, apart from Brood of Change, needs a, needs a seven or better. Tell me about this. Can we make this reliable? So, if you are going to choose something to retain Warp Storm points on, this one's it. Um, the other ones, you have to sacrifice relics or warlord traits, or you have to exalt and all that sort of thing, and it's just not worth it. You have way better competition in those slots. When you're talking about the Zinch units, like a change caster is only 80 points, it gets two psychic powers. This is perfectly acceptable uh, psychic power to take to just go, you know what? I'm going to try and make some consistency throughout my army. If you yep. decided I just need to fill out an HQ slot so I can take these... Mm-hmm. Uh, this or that on like the flamers because maybe you really want the warp storm points of Zinch. Again, not really a big fan of them. But if you do, uh, this can at least not you're not sacrificing much to get the semi consistency out of your warp storm points and allows you to save a little bit. So it's pretty palatable, um, right? To just tr- to every yeah. turn to just try for the the little bit better than fifty percent chance to retain two. Um, it feels pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you, if you if you're Zinch heavy, you're gonna have a, a you're going to have a crap load of casters anyway. You're probably going to be casting every spell from this discipline most turns. So might as well have one guy put aside to, to make sure you get a little bit of reliability for your following turns. Um, what's the next one? 
Uh, Treason of Zinch. Oh, look at how they massacred my boy. Um, <laughs> Malediction. Treason of Zinch has a warp fire charge of seven. If manifested, select one enemy unit within 18 inches invisible to the Psyker. Till the start of your next psychic phase, that enemy unit is not affected by the aura abilities of other enemy units. Uh, um, uh. I, super situational, I guess, if you're running Kairos and you see, like, if you see a uh, apothecary across the field yeah. and you just want to take away the feel no pain. Or sure. rights of war, deny obsec. Yeah, it's it's like it'll if you're in pure zinch and you already have this or you have so many casters you might as well throw it on somebody mm-hmm. um it'll it'll work in some of your matches if you're someone like myself who might just take a single zinch detachment with one caster i'm not wasting the yeah the psychic slot on this nah, god no all right next up infernal flames warp charge value seven again if manifested select one friendly demonica zinch core unit within 18 of and visible to this psyker until the start of your next psychic phase each time model in that unit makes a ranged attack add one to the attacks wound roll that is not the most taken bad. one that is not bad at all you will take this this is the best one so far this and bolt of change are the one slapping me in the face for for if, yeah if you're running flamers which if you're running zinch i don't know why you're not running flamers if you're running demons i don't know why you're running not running flamers unless you're like me who's trying to go all monster mash because i have a problem um but uh but yeah no it's this is probably what you're going to see people take a change caster for Mm -hmm. uh to go cool i'm gonna pair this up with my flamers because i'm taking 15 to 18 flamers and here you go here's a plus one to wound exactly right um all right what is the last one my dude infernal gateway okay so witch fire has a warp charge value of eight if manifested the closest enemy unit within 18 inches invisible to the psyker and each other enemy unit within three inches of that enemy unit suffered D3 mortal wounds. If the result of the psychic test was a 12 or more, each affected unit suffers three mortal wounds instead. So this has this used to be a thing we had, and it changed. First of all, it used to be every model, or it used to be the model itself uh, was the closest enemy model. So you'd hit that model and every unit within three inches of that model. Now it's the whole unit, which is a huge buff. Uh, it used to be... If you cast on a 12 or better, it was D6 mortal wounds. Now it's just flat three, which is more consistent now because it basically average on D6 is basically 3.5. So it's not that big of a hit to that. Um, And then uh, it's only enemy units. You used to, when you cast it, if you had like your Lord of Change or Unkillable Lord of Change stuck in combat and you cast this, it would actually put mortal wounds on you as well. On you, yeah. Um, I like this a lot. I I think it's not bad. I think the eight makes it, Unless you're Zinch heavy, I don't think you invest in it. I don't think you take it, right? So, so, so let me let me give you a an idea of something. Not to get too far ahead into to list build stuff and whatnot, but um, if you decided to ally in a Lord of Change or something that has the pluses to cast and whatnot, um, this can be much more reliable. Uh, you ally it into Thousand Suns. Thousand Suns, because you get to keep your Cabal points by allying demons so long as they don't take up more than 25%, they all stay Zinch, have an 8 Cabal point uh, thing they can do where it doesn't say something from a Thousand Suns like that. It says if you cast a Witchfire spell, you can do that Witchfire spell again with the Thousand Suns Oh, snap. So, that's that's juicy, man. uh, When you sit there and you go, I... I could just do two D three or possibly even just flat six mortal wounds to an entire castle army. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's uh, for thousand suns players might be worth it. That's huge. That's huge. Um, 
Okay, moving on to the Warlord traits. We are going to be long in the tooth on this one, but there is a lot to talk about. Of those, yeah, Bolt of Change and um, Treason. Sorry, not Treason. Um, Infernal Flames seem to be the two standouts, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Fair enough. All right, uh, up next, we will have the Warlord traits. And the first of these is Born of Sorcery. Add one to Psychic Test taken for the Warlord. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Probably, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll, do the, I'll do the next one as well. Each time an attack is made against this wall, subtract one from the attack's wound roll. There we are. It's back in corporeal form. Very strong. Yep. Like I said, you can still have a pretty unkillable uh, Lord of Change. It's just mostly in the shooting phase. Mm. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, fractal Mind, if this Warlord attempts to perform a psychic action in your psychic phase, can still attempt to manifest one psychic power during the phase without a psychic action failing. Um, if, if we could take more than one Warlord trait, man... I would absolutely spend a CP for this if yep. we could do that. Unfortunately, we can't, and I just, I don't know, man. Like, one Warlord trait, and that's the one you're spending on, you probably just want to spend the 80 points to have something dedicated to doing psychic actions if yeah. that's what you want to do. Agreed. I, I'm exactly the same. All right, uh, Warp Tether is up next. Uh, this Warlord has the Warp Locust keyword. This Warlord has the following ability, uh, Warp Tether Aura. While a friendly Legioner's Demonica Zinch unit is within 12 of this model. Each time Rath is taken for that unit, you can re-roll the result. Uh, that aura uh, sucks. The Warp Locus, Warp Locus part is awesome. I So <laughs> here's the thing. The Warp Locus part's awesome, but who in your Zinch army, because it has to be a Zinch thing you drop in, are mm -hmm. you trying to get close? Who wants to deep strike charge in your Zinch like, army? I like don't they get gave it. The warp, they gave the Warp Locus uh, Warlord trait to, to the shooting part, the shooting guy. Yeah, the, the worst <laughs> army to get it. Like, if that was yeah. put in Corn or Slanesh or Nurgle, or Nurgle I would yeah. snap on it. But they, nah, are, nah. they are trolling you. They are, they are yeah. trolling you oh, is yeah. what's happening here. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, Lord Keeper of Zinch, each time this Warlord unsuccessfully manifests a psychic power from the pandemic uh, Pandemonica discipline, or successfully, sorry, uh, add six inches to the range of that psychic power. That psychic power specifies... More than one range, only add six inch to the first range specified. Eh, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, you you can't you can't get a nine inch uh, mortal wound bubble. Uh, so eh. yeah. All right, last one. Tyrant of the Warp. This warlord never suffers perils of the warp. Each time this warlord would lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound, while run the roll one d six on a five, it is not lost. I do not hate that Tyrant of the Warp one, but it does not touch the sides for number two or number. Actually, for the first three, the first three are baller. Um, born of sorcery plus one to psyche test number two a minus one to freaking wound uh, this is it's any attack as well it's shooting or combat i just realized on incorporeal form really strong and uh, fractal mind is actually very good too uh i think those three are the three that are worth considering yeah you can make a toughness eight uh lord of change with through a psychic power with minus one to wound and minus one to hit from the range attack if you yeah. really want to invest the uh the points in it and whatnot. And so you could still have a really hard to kill Lord of Change. It's just much more killable in the fight phase now that it's a five up. Agreed. Agreed. All right, on to our last page of the review for this week. This is the Relics of Zinch, first of which is the Endless Grimoire, which has at times been the most broken item in the game, or through sixth and seventh edition. This was the this was the single best relic in the game. Um Psycho model only. Duh. <laughs> the pair can attempt the following action. St uh, study the Grimoire. Uh, at the start of your psychic phase, the bear can start to perform this action. This action is completed at the start of your next command phase. If completed, select one psychic power from the Pandemonica Discipline. Until the end of the battle, the bear knows that psychic power in addition to any others it knows. So it has to take a whole turn off of the game 
because it starts in the shooting. Oh, so no, it starts in the shooting phase. So you get yeah. your psychic no, phase. You still get your psychic. Yep. Yeah. And then you get to after your next command phase. So you have to only have to take your shooting phase, your charge phase, your fight phase off, which on all honesty, you probably weren't going to do that much in anyway. This isn't that awful. Uh, I still don't think you're going to take it because you only get. Yeah. Yeah. You go. Yeah, you do, you can't cast an extra power, so no. you generally already picked your powers that are going to be relevant. Uh, it's it's something that even if you do take it, it would just give you probably you probably do it a couple of times and eh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I don't think it touches the size. All right, what's up next? Uh, the impossible robe. Once per phase, when saving uh, saving throw has failed for the bear, you can use this ability. If you do so, the damage characteristic of that attack is changed to zero. Once Ooh. per phase. Shooting yes, save and fight and phase. it's not the first. It's not exactly. the first save. You get to you pick can it. Save it for whatever you want. You get to pick it. Oh, they shot a couple of bolters at you. Ah, it doesn't work like that, mate. You can't waste it. I'll wait for the last cannons. Thank you very much. This is very good. Yep. Another another notch in the unkillable lock. Uh, we have seen many 100%. many edition. Um, the Everstave is up next. Psycho model only. Each time the bearer attempts to manifest a witchfire psychic power or smite on a modified. A psychic test of a nine or more, the power cannot be denied. Cute. If you're rolling on modified nines, you're probably not getting denied anyways, correct. other than maybe by a few CP stratagems that correct. are on a 50 50. 100% correct. Uh, what's up next? Warp Fire Blades. Like one of the, of the weapons the bear is equipped with, add one to the damage characteristic. Each time an attack is made with a weapon, an unmodified wound roll of six inflicts a mortal wound in addition to any normal damage. Uh, and the weapon is now a relic. You, I guess, could do this on a claws demon prince and just try to get some extra mortal wounds and, and have, have Achilles thing. extra damage claws. Yeah, have Achilles thing in your in your Zinch army. That doesn't sound like an awful idea. Same as the the blade of kings or a king of blades, whatever it was the last one. This, uh, all of a sudden, yeah, DP looks okay. Um, yeah, all of all of the uh, all the relic, all of the gods have something that adds one damage characteristic to a weapon, and then also gives you. Uh, Gives you some additional effect based on the god. Agreed. Soulbane up next. Uh, model equipped with a rod of sorcery only. I'm guessing that's a greater demon. That's only a yeah, only a lock. Yep. Uh, this relic replaces a rod of sorcery with the following profile. Uh, range twelve, assault three d three, strength six minus two, three damage. That is actually a very good shooting weapon. Um, only if it was 12. range eighteen, yeah, eighteen or twenty four, this thing would be baller. Range twelve. Oh. That's way too close for a zinch greater demon. Oh yeah, a normal six-inch move gives them a six-inch charge into my Lord of Change. Mm-hmm. No thanks, I'm, I'm I'm good. I don't want to spend yeah. those points on that. Uh, I'm very good. Um, yeah. it's, 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 am I, am I, uh, <laughs> it's quite funny that the best unit, the, the best army that that thing is good against, is actually other demons. Strength six, uh, low AP, flat three damage, bunch of shots. It's actually quietly yeah. very good against other demons. Um, very solid. Anyway, last one. Uh, Soul Eater Staff, uh, or Staff, uh, Psyker Model only. Each time an enemy model is destroyed by a mortal wound inflicted as a result of the Psyker Power manifested by the bearer, roll 1d6 on a 4 plus, the bearer regains one lost wound. They cannot regain more than six lost wounds in each psychic phase as a result of this ability. Solid. I'm yeah. still probably going with the Impossible Robe. Agreed. The T's and C's on the Impossible Robe are the best of any version of that rule we have ever seen that's the best yeah. t- best we've ever seen um and seeing as it is a best in slot of that rule i think you probably just take that solid estate is actually very good is actually quite good um very good if you're going to do multiple uh if you're going to do multiple lords uh which i don't recommend but if you want to uh and you're going to spend um 
some CP on some extra relics. I think a soul, soul leader stave is a, a a solid second choice to the impossible yeah, road. I think so too. All right, my man, that is our two gods and all the uh, ubiquitous special rules completed for this review. We'll be back next week with the Nurgle and Slanesh. Did you want to do? Did you want to do any data sheets? Oh, of course. Almost did it again. I.e. Flamers. Almost did it again. Yes, we do need to do Flamers. I will go straight to the Flamers. Yeah, everyone needs to know about Flamers uh, because they are exceptional. All right, how many points are these bad boys? Uh, they're 25 points a model. Okay, uh, that which is quite is a bit. severely undercosted. Let me let me tell you. So that was how my that's how many warriors came out of, and warriors defined the game. So two new warriors defined the game for quite a time. They are units of two to five, and then they come with a unit champion pyrocaster, movement twelve, weapon skill four plus, bliss skill three plus, strength five, toughness four, three wounds, three attacks, and a six by three save. So six up in combat, three up in shooting flickering flames it's a range uh, 12 assault d6 plus 3 gun it is strength user that being 5 ap2 1 damage each time attacks made with weapon it automatically hits so range 12 assault d6 plus 3 you can have up to six of these in a unit so that is a minimum of what what is six times four whatever that number is i suck at math 24 shots a minimum of 24 shots up to 10 up to nine a piece wow that is a lot of hurt um, at strength five, neg two, and you can buff it in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Oh yeah. So your average is in, uh, I believe it's thirty nine, uh, and you can have an exalted flamer to give them plus one strength, so their strength uh, six, six on their flamers, and you yep. can also give them plus one to wound with a psychic power. Uh, they are really, really good. They're an assault weapon with a twelve inch range. They have a twelve inch movement, so your average movement is fifteen point five with twelve inch range. You're a twenty seven point five inch threat range. They fly you have three wounds, three up in vol in the shooting phase. It, they're good. They're, they're good. Really they're good. good. They're good. They're good. They're good. But fun fact, they're also infantry and core. Because <laughs> why not? Because why um, not? And yeah, so these things you're probably going to see until uh until we get uh probably at least the Christmas um, the Christmas change in points. Yeah. December time frame. Uh, you're probably going to see these in almost every demon list. Uh, they're what everybody's talking about. It's just so many shots that can be modded so heavily, even when you're going into really heavy armor and stuff like that, when you add the plus ones to wounds and all that sort of thing. Now I will say they're not unbeatable. They, they, they have, Nothing they can do. Their old, the old profile used to give them pistol instead of assault, yep. so they could like shoot into combat. But you can actually get these guys. Keep in mind, yes, you're going to lose something to Overwatch. Charge a rhino into them. Yep. Charge a rhino into them. Then charge something else. They're not impossible to beat. You can screen them out a 12 inch range to screen out. Make sure the front of your base that your of your screening unit is 3.1 inches from the front of the unit you're screening. Essentially. Um, now, granted, that might change a little bit if you have to calculate warp loci and you know stuff deep striking within certain ranges. But also, I think uh, deep striking these guys, a lot of people are going to do. And some people, as demons players, for you non-demon players out there, they're going to put too much in deep strike. If you put 900 points of your army in deep strike, um, with how killing ninth edition is, uh, don't expect 1,100 points to weather the storm for two yeah. turns if you don't get yeah. if you don't get two full turns. And then yeah, the flamers are going to come in, but the damage is already done. Agreed. So um, there's ways to beat it. Don't get me wrong, but uh, these are these are consistent 15 to 18 models. You just you just take what you can. Mm. 
Um, the one I, only one I would like to point out is uh, chariots. I actually think burning chariots are quietly okay. I don't know how many points they are. Is the only thing I haven't looked up yet. Um, but just to point this out to people, uh, they are one of the only things in combat that will hold up for a Zinch army because they have a four plus invuln in ranged and shooting. So in ranged and combat, so they're four plus either way. They're toughness six with nine wounds, so they're actually by Zinch standards very durable in combat. Um, the Exalted Flamer is on the back. He's the same profile as he does when not on there. So that's range 18, Assault 3, Strength plus 3. So Strength 9, minus 4, 3 damage with 3 shots. I think that's a good profile. Or it can do 2d6, essentially, Flamer. It's two, two Flamers stuck together. Um, and then it's also minus 1 to Psychic Tests uh, within 12 inches. And they have 6 attacks with the Lamprey Bites. That's the Strength 6, minus 3, 2 damage uh, from the 2 Screamers pulling it along. I think they're quietly good. Um, um, I think sure. they're great. I think so. They're 120 points. Um, oh, that's fine. It's not actually 120 is a bit more than I, I wanted them to be, but that's it's fine. I still think they're uh, really good. Um, yep. I, I do. And like, also now you have lamprey screamer bites that are yeah. that have a four pinball in combat. Exactly. Actually, exactly useful. Right. That's exactly what um, I was getting at. But uh, but unfortunately, um, they are not. Uh, they are cool. not flamers. They're not. They're not, yeah. they are not yeah. just the generic flamers, which that is that is what pushes things like these burning chariots. Like if you're going pure zinch, you can fit some burning chariots in there, and they'll be great, all that sort of thing. But in reality, you if you're just taking a little bit of zinch, just take the flamers. The you just take flamers. you take a patrol, you take a, a change caster, one unit of horrors, and some flamers, and one one fatty unit of flamers. Hell, two fatty units of flamers. Do use one to use one on the board, one in reserve. I think it's, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and funnily enough, I think it makes a lot of sense for a bunch of Chaos Space Marine builds as well, which we'll, we'll get into more in part two, which is where we're going to go right now. We've just finished up part one, baby, and what we've done is reviewed, like I said, all the special rules, um, detachment abilities, etc., etc., and two of the gods. Um, and next week, please join us for the Slanesh and Nurgle review, in addition to the Disciples of Bellacor, uh, which we'll be touching with. Most likely, Mark will be joining me again. Um, I do... I haven't had anyone else slap me in the face as like standing up to attention for who I should have on this show. But the part two of next week will be a compilation of hot takes from very notable Demons players. I think I'm going to have a bunch of the Art of War gents who have been cracking into Demons along with Matt Morisoli. So at least three of those guys will be giving their hot takes on the Codex, what their favorite builds are, what they're excited about, um, and where they think Demons are strong and weak. But we're about to go and do that with Mark right now in part two. We're going to talk about Mark's spicy monster mash builds we're going to talk about the archetypes he think might work in the future where they're strong where they're weak what their secondary game is and uh the first press competitive builds that you might need to know going into this hot new meta so mark thank you very much for joining us so much brother and giving us so much of your time if you were to just in case you're not back next week if you were to give this chaos demon book the rating treatment so i do i rate them across two metrics the first of which being the internal balance as in how good this book is for chaos players how how happy chaos players and chaos demon players should be with this book um please give us a one to ten on that ten being absolutely out of their minds this is the best book ever and one being absolute garbage never never want to see it again for chaos players i think it's a very solid eight maybe maybe a soft nine yeah yeah i think from where demons came from this book knocks it out of the park so far i think it's the only thing I wish, I wish it had more ubiquitous rules, like more undivided rules, but for, for the fact that we know now that all you need is the mark, not the detachment to unlock the stratagems, etc., it's not as it's not as much of a, as of a deal as I, as I thought at the start of this review. Um, and if you were to put them on the competitive rating scale, that being the traditional S tier to D tier or C tier, um, where would you stick them for competitive-wise, for the competitive meta? 
Uh, I absolutely think they're uh, an A plus, and maybe with more reading through here, maybe they are S. Ooh. But I, I do feel comfortable rating them as an A plus. That's exciting. I would have given them an A. I, I don't know where in A just yet. Uh, because I haven't done an exhaustive review. That's pretty much just going off what, what they do now. I'm giving them that because I feel like they are they are GSC with durability. <laughs> it's essentially where I, they're like GSC toolbox and and like jank tank, but they're actually actually have durable elements. Um, movement movement conquers all. Um, I think movement's really 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 big, uh, and this has it in spades. Uh, and it's it's it like I said the the chapel that you build is going to be built off of that demonic loci locus ability and the teleportability. And I think that's just huge. Everyone crack out your infiltrators, baby. Bring them back. Infiltrator meta. Let's do it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) We'll see some adjustments because of that. Going to be necessary. But anyway, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Hopefully you guys have enjoyed uh, that two and a two hour, two and a quarter hour, um, experience it won't be that long next week because we won't have all the warp storms and stuff to go through but thank you so much again mark for coming on you're an absolute champion and uh good luck with uh reconquering the best in faction for demons i know you're a bit behind you haven't had a much you haven't had a very busy first six months of this itc season can't wait to see what you do with the second next six months mate um and thank you very much for coming on again anything you would like to plug before we sign off yeah, just uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, hopefully I can actually get out and get some games. This past six months a little been, been a little busy for me and the Army and whatnot. And along with the Army, I play on the Army eSports team. I just want to get a shout-out to all my brothers and sisters in the military across all the branches, uh, whether it's the Army team, the Air Force team, um, and others out there playing in the name of the military. If you see any of us uh, around, for all of you out there, if you ever see me, I'm Leviathan uh, is the name on my on my jersey. And if you want to talk about whether it be chaos or non-chaos or Warhammer or the military or just anything like that, feel free to hit me up. I really enjoy just getting to interact with the community. I, I, I enjoy being around people. So, you know, just let me know. And, you know, if you ever have any questions, feel free to ask. I'm always free to be hit up on stuff. Other than that, uh, thank you again for all the opportunities and thank you all for listening and taking the time out of your day to listen to me, you know, gush about demons. Love to hear. I love to have such dedicated, passionate, like, faction players on it. It's a real gift of, of what I feel like I can give with this show. Thanks again, mate. See you on part two, guys. Please come over and join us. Art of War Down Under, uh, down under on Patreon or theartofwar40k.com. See you there. Bye. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K, hosted by Adam Camilleri, produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under, signing out from tomorrow. Tomorrow.